Blog Talk Radio. Oh, don't tell me it didn't start again. That's, I, I even reset it just a second ago. This is ridiculous. All right, let me scroll down and get my opening theme. Uh-huh. I wonder, I wonder if I have to reset this every time or play it manually. Maybe I'll just have it standing by. Hang on. Scroll, scroll, scroll. I have a lot of things to, to go through before I get to my... Uh, uh, ah, here it is. I'll start this properly. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, that's better. At least we've got uh, Tara calling in right away here. Tara D. from the uh, uh, San Rosa County Animal Shelter. So I'm going to get right to her. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just way too casual on Fridays. You know, I, uh, I, I scheduled the show like 10 minutes ago. I logged in about three minutes ago. This is, this is like really casual. Uh, it's what happens by Friday. Do you find that, Tara, that uh, by the time Friday rolls around, you just don't care? This <laughs> is like casual. Um, yeah, it's much more lax on Friday. I notice here as well a lot of people are um, – it seems like we have half the staff we normally do on Friday, so it's kind of definitely a different day on Fridays. Oh, really? Do animals feed yeah. differently? Do they know when to, can they sense people are like more casual? I mean, I never thought of this. I never know what I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about. It's really funny. This is, this is totally spontaneous. But do animals know different days and schedules with people? Can they feel it? I, I don't know about the days, but I definitely know they, they, they definitely are, are tuned into schedules because we have, we have our certain routine where we do things. And if, if we're not like in a certain area at a certain time, you can tell the dogs are like, hey, you know, because they get fed at a, at a certain time every day. And if right. they are not getting fed at a certain time, they're like, you know, getting antsy, like, hey, what's going on here? We're supposed to be getting some food. And then at home, it, you know, for my personal pets, I've always noticed like scheduling of other people in the home coming home. And they know when you're supposed to be home. Yes, I don't know exactly how they know, but they know, you know, you can, if you speak with, a, like, another family member, they're looking at the door about 5 o'clock when you're supposed to be home. So they definitely have a sense of schedule. Whether or not they know it's Labor Day or not, that's a different story, but definitely have, you know, they can definitely <laughs> tell on a schedule for sure. I wasn't expecting to be that accurate, but I'm just thinking that animals, <laughs> you know, animals do some amazing things. And so I know they oh, sense yeah. people. I know they sense moods, especially guard dogs and watchdogs and, and dogs that are protective of little kids and all that kind of – they know. They know. I mean, dogs oh, have yeah, pulled people out of, out of houses and, you know, burning houses. They've uh, alerted for, for crime. They, you know, when uh, the San Francisco earthquake hit, you want to talk about a story sometime. That was funny. All the pets disappeared like, like the day beforehand. So where's my oh, dog? my goodness. My that's cat? crazy. It is. Well, they all knew. They knew it was coming. They, yeah, something you know, was, something was happening. They knew, yeah. It, and it's really cool. So we have adopted out, you know, since I have been here a while, I know of a couple of different stories where we adopted dogs out, and they ended up being um, alert dogs for people. One was a gentleman that had diabetes, and mm-hmm. he was saying how he adopted a German Shepherd. The Shepherd was a little overprotective of the kids where he lived at, so that's how he ended up with us. So gentleman adopted him. He ended up uh, being his alert dog when he uh, his blood sugar would drop. So he literally probably saved his life a couple different times, and they were like, wow, we never imagined that. That was just a bonus. They just thought they were, you know, helping a pet in need. We've had another one that uh, was similar. The person had seizures, and the dog would be able to kind of alert her when she was starting to get a little, you know, askew, and the dog would be very, very clingy to her, and she would kind of know, hey, I need to get in a calmer place. And these weren't dogs that were trained. They just naturally had that instinct. Are there particular breeds that are, that are especially good at this? Well, it seems like a lot of uh, 
the retriever breeds and the shepherd breeds, I think they tend to use those a lot. I think the shepherds, they don't use them as much because they have that extra drive. But the retrievers, like golden retrievers right. are one of, and standard poodles, I think, are two of the top-tier dogs that they use for service dogs. Golden retrievers, are that's because when they have to go places, you don't want a dog that's going to try to eat someone else. And golden retrievers as a whole have an excellent temperament. They're very even. You know, they love everybody, and then they also are very loyal to their owners. So those are one of the one of the top dogs. Of course, nowadays, I think they're mm-hmm. pretty much making any dog, as long as they have that that drive, they can make them. But, you know, retrievers are, I think, the top top dogs that they train for service dogs. Interesting. Yeah, I never thought of service dogs for medical, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. seeing eye dogs. I think that's where I first learned about service dogs, and I think emotional support and some other things. But medical, they can actually smell blood sugar, or they they just sense it. They, yeah, I don't know how it works how do they exactly, do that? but I'm, oh. I'm assuming it's maybe a yeah something that maybe a smell that they're or if they're sensing something's off with the person, maybe I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And then, you know, dogs can sniff out cancerous moles on people too. It's just yeah, it's it's crazy and and really cool they, you know that they, dogs have that capability should they be used in medicine more do you think I, mean, um, I don't think it would hurt i think they could use it as a at least if nothing else you know use it because a lot of cultures do a lot of you know dogs are different treated differently you know whereas i don't know sometimes here we we kind of kind of dismiss other things because it's not what we're taught in western medicine but i think there are all kinds of other things that maybe you know, we need to pay a little more attention to as far as medical. So, sure, I mean, if if a dog can send something and you can't, like, hey, pay attention. They definitely well, yeah, can sniff out some bad people yeah. for sure. I, I, I agree yeah. with that completely. <laughs> That's interesting. So uh, so if you have, like, a, a store or something like that, you have, like, a, a dog at the front, and if it barks like crazy when someone walks in, you know, you might be up to, to bad purposes. There's, you know, you never – I didn't think Look at this, but there's all these wonderful things these animals can do. I think especially dogs. Dogs are really into mm-hmm. cats. Cats don't care. You know, if you want a cat to be a watch cat, now they, they got they got other things on their mind. The bird and the birds just want attention, and the fish. Well, that's a whole other story. Um, but dogs, dogs are different. Dogs have yeah. Uh, dogs are you know, dogs are pretty awesome. I mean, they their yeah. main goal, and not every dog, but for the most part, their goal is to make you happy. You know, and to to get love, and yeah. so that's. That's pretty neat, you know, because the, the payoff that we get as humans from them is just exponential, and, and we just are basically giving them, you know, some people give them the bare minimum, food, water, a little pat, and the dog is just forever loyal. It's just, it's quite a trade-off for us, I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. we, should, uh, we should introduce you in the shelter, so let's, uh, let's get the basic context out, because we kind of leapt into our conversation here, because like I said, yeah. today I'm just last minute at everything. I'm just like, well, oh, radio show. Yeah, let's do a radio show. What am I doing today? Yeah, I don't let's know. Do it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Santa Rosa County Animal Services, we are at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our website is santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. You can find us on Facebook. And then our hours are 1130 till 430, Monday through Friday, except Wednesdays we're here late till 6, and Saturdays 10 till 330. Mm, not Sunday? Close Sunday? We are here, but we are close to the public. We have to do some catching up on cleaning and things like yeah, that. Thanks. So we are here every single day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, Thanksgiving Day. We won't be open to the public on those days, but we are here to take care of the puppies and the kitties. Hmm. That's wonderful. You do such good work. This is why I'm really glad you're on the show. Um, oh, thank we've you. Got, I appreciate it. 
Oh, you're welcome. No, no, this is this is great. I'm, I'm surprised I waited this long. I don't. Know, I just, you know, it's like there's so many things going on with the show, and I think you know, we're, and, and, and it's hard to know what's missing until you realize, huh? We don't have our animal show anymore. We've got to we got to do something about that. So this is good. Um, Labor Day. We've got uh, the last holiday weekend of the summer. Everybody's going to cram in their last beach trip. You know, the kids are back mm-hmm. in school. The school year starts. The year really starts now. Or <laughs> it starts yeah. like Tuesday. You know, so things are going yeah. on. So are people, in it, you know, do, do, like holidays and dogs, you have to have some extra precautions, extra water, extra time, extra everything. Do people take their dogs literally everywhere? And should they, you know, for, for a long um, weekend yeah, so or a, family A lot of people do take their dogs. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people maybe shouldn't. So we always uh-huh. recommend, you know, like things, make sure that you're allowed to take your dog because if you go somewhere and you're like, oh, I can't bring them here and you want to leave them in the car, that's a no-go. So mm-hmm. do your research before you go somewhere. Make sure it's a dog-friendly or pet-friendly place. And then if not, just make appropriate, you know, accommodations for your pet. Maybe leave them at home. Um, if you're traveling, obviously that would be something you want to check on ahead of time to make sure you can bring your pets. And there are a lot of Airbnbs that do allow pets now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you, if you're going on a trip, you have to worry about what am I going to do with my dog. A lot of times you can take them with you. just have to find one that's you know pet friendly. And there are a lot of them these days. I was very surprised um, when I was looking at going on a little trip and I was like, you know, debating on if I should tried to take dog or not and looking on there I found a lot more available than what I anticipated so it's a nice it's a nice change because you know many years ago in our especially in our area you can find any place that you could take your pet and things are starting to open up as far as that um, still you have to remember there are places that do not allow pets and so you have mm-hmm. to you have to respect that some places you cannot take a pet in unless it's a service dog and an emotional support dog is not the same as a service dog so that's something there's a lot of a lot of conflict about and so we just kind of mentioned that, you know, a, ser- a service dog is different from an emotional support dog, not to say what, what is the emotional is? support. So an emotional support dog is like a, basically somebody gets a letter from their doctor and the doctor says, hey, mm-hmm. I think this is um, going to be helpful for my patient's well-being and blah, 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 treatment plan. And I'm giving you this that they need to have this dog as an emotional support. So then when they have a landlord, per se, that maybe doesn't usually allow pets, they can make that accommodation for them. It does not mean that they can take them into a restaurant if they don't allow pets. That is for only a service dog. Service dog is for, you know, through the American Disabilities Act, so that is a a dog that provides a certain service to someone, helping them walk, helping, helping them get around, or an alert dog. So it's a different category, and these dogs are highly trained. They're not going to be barking and attacking people and getting off leash and running around. So if you see an animal in public somewhere and they have the service dog vest and the dog's like trying to bite someone, you can probably bet your bottom dollar he's not actually a service dog. So oh, just, just something just to think the, about. Took the case. Well, you can, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people get them online, and so that's where we, we are seeing a lot of, oh. oh, yeah, a lot of problems with people trying to pass off a dog as a service dog just so they can take them somewhere. And that's really taken away from the people who really need their pets there. So just, you know, go to a pet-friendly pay, place if you like, but if it's a place that doesn't allow pets, you know, you should respect that. See, uh, the human nature, I, I never think about things like this. It never occurs to me, you know, to like shoplift. And, and yet I, I watch looters on, on, on the news. It never would occur to me to take a handicap sticker if, to borrow it from a friend just because I wanted to park closer at a mall. Right. It would never, some, it people, would never yeah, some people do People do, that, do right? It would never in my yeah. wildest dreams occur to me to, to put a, a, first of all, to even look 
for a one of those little display cape things that says either service dog or emotional support dog or something like that, and put it on mm-hmm. uh, put it on Fluffy the the, the Yorkie that can't shut up. <laughs> you know, just you <laughs> yeah, take exactly. Fluffy with you. You know, but people do these things. It's really amazing. Yeah, they do. And then I think that's part of, you know, why some things, you know, like why can't we have nice things, that whole thing. Like I think sometimes that's why because people try to use it to their advantage and, and, and it can go awry. And then, then you've got then you've got a place that maybe used to be a little more accommodating is like no one with a dog can come in now. No one. I don't care if you're a service dog or not. Well, then that's illegal. So that's a whole other thing. So, you know, I think just if people just, you know, be respectful mm-hmm. of others. Pay attention to the, the laws in place and do your research. Those things would really help. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I was a tour guide in San Francisco, um, the Fairmont Hotel, one of the most luxurious, expensive hotels in the world, mm-hmm. allowed dogs on their marble Yeah, dogs. that's awesome. That's you know, awesome. And so, and I remember seeing them one day, and it's like, oh, and I asked the, the management, you guys, you guys have dogs now? I said, yeah, we do. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's your marble, your hotel. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah There's a lot coming. of places. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of places that used to didn't allow pets are allowing them now, which is great. As long as people mm-hmm. are doing the right thing, that will continue. But if people are idiots and like let their dogs just run amok and you know inappropriate behavior, then it's going to be taken away. So we just encourage people if you're taking your dog out. Make sure you're doing it the right way so that you're not going to, you know, it's not going to penalize other people. Yeah. The only way I can think of that someone would be penalized is if they're allergic. Are people allergic to dogs like they are to cats, or is it, are they a different kind of thing? Some people are allergic to dogs, but it, the numbers are a lot lower, I think. Not, I mean, I don't yeah. have a study, but we, we get lots of people in here that are allergic to cats. Dogs, It's the numbers are probably a lot smaller, and I think... That's probably more manageable, I guess, because if they're allergic to cats, you know, the cat hair seems to just go everywhere. So, and uh, yeah. with dogs, it's a little more containable. And then you can look for certain breeds that are easier on your on your allergies if you're, you know, have dogs. Easier on your nose. As opposed to easier yes, on your exactly. Eyes. Your I'm nose and them. your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, this is. And just so folks know, I don't think of these questions ahead of time. We literally, I, I have no idea where we're going to go, what we're going to talk about, but this is such a wild world of animals that, uh, that is worth exploring. Well, what's going on at the shelter and what's going on? Uh, who you got for critters? Let's just go there. And, uh, okay. So, let's see. so what's going on at the shelter is we just mm-hmm. finished up our Clear the Shelter event last month. So we're going into September with, uh, I think we have a couple events. Well, we have three events well, in September. Well, let's Clear the Shelter. Let's, let's, let's recap um, so, yeah, what happened. So How did August, it go? Yeah. August was Clear the Shelter and it was a national campaign. And then so August 25th and 26th uh, last weekend, so that was our final push. So we waived adoption fees. We did really great. We got, I want to say like 10 dogs adopted on Saturday, several cats. It was a wonderful day at the shelter, lots of activity, lots of, uh, two of our um, long timers got it adopted. We had an old gal named Jinx that was an old pity and she got adopted. And then we had another dog named Alfie that had been here for probably a year and he got adopted. So we were very, very excited about that. It was an all around great day, lots of happy faces. Um, we also had a volunteer day that day where our volunteers came in to do some baths and I think they bathed like 16 dogs so they were busy all day. Then we had a, a scout troop come in and oh, one of the gals, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So um, a young lady named Bailey decided to do her Eagle Scout project here at the shelter, so they renovated our play yard. It looks amazing, so we were super excited about that. They basically went in. Um, we have a meet-and-greet area where we have, if you you know want to adopt a dog, you take them outside, spend a little time with them, and it was very boring and 
just mm-hmm. it was just a little area and it was hot, nowhere to sit. So they came in, put some sunshades up, put some benches, put some borders, and it, it just looks fantastic. So now we have a wow. a nice welcoming area when people come in to meet dogs. So it was a a busy nice weekend. We we're super excited about that. Um, going into September, we have some adoption events coming up. We have next Saturday is, uh, on the 9th is the Doggy 3K that the Friends of Santa Rosa County is putting on, and so we're going to be there for that, and I think that'll be a real fun thing. They're going to have vendors there, and we're going to be there with uh, some adoptable pets and just kind of checking it out, and I think it'll be a fun time. It's going to be from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Baghdad Mill Park, so it should well, be a slow, nice... Slow down. So you, you actually talk oh, faster. Sorry, I'm talking too fast. Which, which, which is hard <laughs> to do. Fast, huh? what, what is the Doggy 3K, and where's yeah, Baghdad? So, <laughs> okay, we, got so the friends, we got people in Iceland okay. listening. So. <laughs> where is that? Okay, so the Friends of Santa Rosa oh, County, they are, they are a nonprofit uh, organization that was created to kind of support the shelter to help projects and raise money, raise awareness. So they're putting on a Doggy 3K, and it's the same as Who Let the Dogs Out, and they're going to have mm, like a, mm, a mm. little event. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be vendors there. There's going to be just some fun pet-friendly activities. They're encouraging the public to come out, and it's actually free. You just register, and that way you get to meet other dog-friendly families in the area. You get to have a nice walk, and it's called the Baghdad Mill Park, and it's over here in Milton, and it's a really beautiful park. Uh, We have went to events there before, and it's a really nice area. So that's where is the that walk's a park for, be. for dogs without a leash? Is that what they, it like is a not kind of park? as it is not actually a dog for park or park for dogs at all. For oh. special um, events, they will okay. approve okay. it, but as a whole, I don't think dogs are allowed there. Um, it's oh. it's a really pretty area though, so it's a nice place to have an event, and the dogs I think will enjoy the the greenery and and the beauty of you know it's outside in this gorgeous green area, and there's I think there's some wetlands there. There's a it's just a whole oh, really like pretty that. area. Oh, yeah, I think they'll have a great Come back time. all muddy and wet. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, <gator. laughs> yeah, we had a great gator. time. Look yeah, but I think every, everybody's <laughs> going to have a good time if they attend that, and then it's, you know, going to raise awareness of the needs of the shelter, and then right. people will learn about the Friends of group because they are a great support group for the shelter. So we're looking forward we'll to that. That's next week, we 4 need, to we 7. Need them on too. Yeah, we need them on, too. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, absolutely, we will. Bring them on. Maybe yeah. we so can get them on next Friday. Sure. That'd be good. Okay. So... <laughs> we both talk fast. <laughs> I cut you off though, so let's get the let's get the date and time. And make sure people you know have that okay. and they can check on the podcast. Otherwise, yeah. okay. So it's going to be next uh, Saturday, the ninth of September, and that's the Doggy Three K from four until seven p.m. at the Baghdad Mill Park. If you go to the Friends of Santa Rosa page on website, they'll have all the information there, or you can. I think we should have it on our website on Facebook as well. Well, not our website, but our Facebook page as well. So you can you know if you need to refresh yourself with the details you can check out either of those places well, when you said 3k i'm thinking it was like a run are you guys running with the dogs well some people might um huh. some people will probably just walk i would definitely not run anymore i'm not a i used to be a runner but not now but so for myself i would take a lazy dog but that's just because i'm lazy but there are some people that are super active and they're probably going to take a more energetic dog or maybe they have a, a running partner dog at home and they're going to bring those we are opening it to the public that if you need to you want to participate you can check one of our dogs out it's called doggy day out so you can come to the shelter and basically just take the dog out for a couple hours and if you want to participate in the doggy 3k but maybe your dog is old and doesn't like to run or something come check one of our dogs out, you give them a break for a couple hours, and then you get to participate. So it's a win-win for everybody. 
It's funny you should say that. I don't know whether it was a commercial or a, or a TV sitcom episode or something, but some guy, <laughs> single guy, took a dog to the park because he wanted to meet women. Have you seen this? I, I've forgotten where it was, but apparently, I mean, I might, I'm just crazy enough to try this. I might actually do that. Take, take a wonderful little dog, walk in the park, just sit down on the park bench and just... I don't, you know mm-hmm. me. I just, I'm, I'm up for just uh, anything that uh, is a little bit interesting. But yeah, yeah, I've heard that that uh, the guys actually do that. They'll like rent dogs or, or borrow dogs or take shelter dogs out uh, just to 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 meet folks. <laughs> I think that's hysterical myself. But uh, I, I think it's hysterical. You know, but I also agree that it would probably work to get a, a lady's attention because, um, you know, if I saw a cute little dog, I'd have to go pet it. So you know. Of course. So and by yeah, the way, what's your name? Um, we're going to get and, attention. And, and, yeah, hi. Exactly. So that's a great. Do you have a dog? I think that maybe should be a dating oh, thing. You know, you bring your pets, and then the pets meet. If well, the pets actually, like each other, that might be a good idea. You know what? Now that I think about it, talk to the boss. But if you guys actually <laughs> had uh, dog dates, dog date night, and so you actually uh-huh. had uh, singles, singles in the area, uh, either people who want to adopt pets or people that mm-hmm. have pets want to meet other singles with pets, you uh-huh. can actually do that, and you can actually start your own Facebook group. Oh, yeah, you know, that Santa is single mingle. Wouldn't that be hysterical? See if anybody else is doing it. I mean, I always like to, to, to you know, not reinvent the wheel. But, uh, right. I'm sure somebody I bills, is somewhere. We maybe need to do a little research and, and uh, poke some of their ideas so we can use. That's I, the good thing about animal welfare is, like, everybody is very, um, very you know, very free in – very sharing of their ideas. When we started kind of revamping our shelter a few years ago, we would call another shelter, another organization, and they're like, oh, let me send you this. This is what we do. Like they're not trying to guard anything. They're just trying to help each other out. So it's it's great because then if you get an idea from someone, they're going to be happy for you if it works as opposed to, what are you doing using our idea? So. That's really nice. And, and just to let you know, I would not adopt a pet just to meet women. I, w- I just, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm just, you know, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Well, there's, you, there's got to be you got to draw the line somewhere. But you could rent one. You could come and take one out for the day. You know that's acceptable. Since you're giving the dog a break, <laughs> I might do that just to see what happens. <laughs> not, not, uh, you, I tell you, 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 you put a my, cute bandana on the dog, and okay. someone's going to have to come and pet the dog. I, I guarantee you. When we, it's funny because when we um, go to like PetSmart or something. Uh, and take animals, some people, they're not there to adopt and they have no interest in adopting, but they can't help but come over and see the puppies or the dogs. Right. Because, right. you know, they're they're cute and you just have to pet them. So I would imagine if you go to a park with a cute dog and a little cute bandana, you're going to, you know, you're going to get some activity. People, people love <laughs> cute pets. I got my brain spinning right now, thinking to myself, this would be fun to try, <laughs> just just for the amusement factor. Because I'll do things like that, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I was a prankster as, as a kid, and I did all kinds of stuff. I mean, through college, college were the big pranks. I actually ended up uh, stealing uh, the University of Connecticut's Husky mascot costume when I was at the University oh of Massachusetts. Oh yeah, it was, a, it was it literally was a con job. We posed as Harvard Masters candidates doing a psychological profile. We videotaped mm-hmm. this guy. We uh, got him to leave his uniform in my car. We brought him into a bar for, like, the results of the study. And I had friends that had the keys to the car. They took out the uniform and off they went back to UMass. <laughs> this is a oh, major wow. that's, took about 40 that's pretty people. pretty impressive. Yeah. I thought so, too. We, but still, the, you know, no one's topped that story. Uh, so we, we were the band commandos. So I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not averse to, to doing something like that just for the amusement <laughs> factor alone. But uh, I, may, I, may have to, uh, I may have to drag you out and secretly videotape this. 
This could be fascinating. And we have a, we have great dogs that would work. Like okay. speaking of dogs, <laughs> one of the dogs in my office today is Sophie. So she's a senior dog. She's yeah. so sweet. So everybody that walks by, she just looks at them like, "Don't you mm-hmm. want to pet me?" And so everybody's like, "Okay, Sophie." So every time someone walks by the office, they're stopping in to say hello to her. She's an older gal, very sweet, house trained, good with other dogs. Super well behaved, just an mm-hmm. old senior. She just needs to chill out on a nice soft bed and go for leisurely strolls. So, you know, if you yeah. need a partner in crime to try this out on, she would be a great dog to take out. And, and what kind of dog is Sophie? Sophie is just a mixed breed. She's maybe mm, 50 pounds or so. She's a tan girl, a little gray on her face, a little bit of arthritis. She just looked at me like, I am not old. But um, <laughs> she's just super great. She got adopted with another dog, the gentleman. I guess had un- was going to have to have unexpected back surgery, unfortunately. Oh. So they both got returned, and think they were. He said they were doing amazing in the house. Both of them actually were doing great. House trained, well behaved, everything. So we hated that she have- had to come back, but we're hoping that you know maybe it's just because her person hasn't come yet. Are there some breeds that get more attached to people, and it's, it's rougher on them if they get returned? Or there, and there's some dogs that might be more flexible that they can pick up an owner and, and if it doesn't work out, pick up another owner and they're they're much more adaptable. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah, that absolutely. with breeds or is it more we have noticed, dog? Yeah, we've definitely noticed um, certain dogs, certain breeds do terrible in the shelter, whereas others kind of do okay. Um, but definitely certain dogs as well. So when we normally we if we send a dog out to foster and they come back. Mm-hmm. Most of them actually are going to be the same or a little better because they kind of got a break from the shelter. But we have had a couple come back that are just kind of mo- really mopey. And it, it stands to reason because they just went to a loving home and then they come back here and they're like really depressed about it and look all pitiful. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know. But as yeah, a so whole, what did I, I do think wrong? <laughs> exactly. Why complex. am I back here yeah. again? Um, yeah. And then we have seen before when dogs get adopted and then maybe the person comes back to see us. Most dogs, are, they'll come in and they're like, hey, y'all, you know, and then one of my favorite memories is a, this little dog that was here, and I think we had named him Ziggy, um, and he got adopted. He was like a little schnauzer mix, super cute. He was great for us when he was here. Well, they adopted him, and about six months later, tried to stop in to say hello. He wouldn't get out of the car, so they carried him in. He wouldn't have anything to do with any of the staff, like even the people that were like his favorites while he was here. He just like turned his nose and turned away to all of us. And we were like, okay, well, our time is done with you. Like you clearly have moved on and had no interest in even saying hello to us. And they're like, I don't understand. We're like, it's okay. You know, he's clearly happy. We're just happy that he has a good family now, you know. But, yeah, he wanted nothing to do with us. He's like, you're peasants to me now. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I've already done this. I've been here. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, he's like, like, I'm not like coming back. back. Yeah, so going back to depression. Ah, sorry, I did that. Got over it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going exactly. there Exactly. That's funny. <laughs> uh, any, any cats? We haven't talked to uh, Putty Cats yet. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we have an amazing cat named Bastion, and mm-hmm. he is uh, – Is it the last Bastion? I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. So <laughs> he is, um, he's actually taken over our chief's office. So we come in in the morning oh, really? and he's sitting in his chair. I think he's like maybe plotting the demise of the dogs here maybe. I don't know. But he's an amazing cat. So he actually came in um, and he was declawed already when he came oh, in and then he had an injury so he had to have an amputation as well while he was here so he's kind of had you know a rough time but he's a wonderful 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 cat so we have him in the office there and he kind of just roams around he likes to sleep a lot he loves attention he's super super affectionate he hmm. would be hmm. what i would consider 
like I call them dog cats, which is a cat that's super affectionate like a dog because some cats are kind of dismissive of you. You know, you'll get some attention. Oh, some cats and they're like, don't okay, care I'm done. in front of them. I mean, exactly. like they'll, they'll, just walk, they'll just walk over you to the food And they're block. like, okay, I'm done with you now. Go away. But some yeah, cats yeah. are like, hey, yeah. nice to meet you. Come over. And he's kind of like that. He's very affectionate. He wants to sit in your lap and, you know, make biscuits. And he's super, super sweet. He's a beautiful gray cat with some white markings. And, I mean, if somebody wants a loving cat, this guy is just wonderful. So we don't have him in general population. Like uh-huh. I said, he is in our chief's office, but he is right. available for adoption. And he would make a fantastic pet for someone, but he has to be strict. Strictly, strictly, strictly indoors because he's declawed and he's missing, you know, part of his leg. So we want to, we don't want to take any chances of him getting outdoors and having to, you know, take care of himself. But he's awesome and up for adoption, and I think he would be fantastic pet for anyone looking for a cat. Yeah. Do you have recommendations on that as far as declawing? I mean, to me, it sounds barbaric. But uh, uh, is there, is there is, ever a good reason to it, do it? Well, it is extremely, extremely painful for the cats. And what I can tell you just from observing is uh-huh. o- over the years when we, we would get a cat come in and the cat would have a bad attitude, but you know he's not a feral cat, which is a wild cat, but he's right. just a mean cat. And we're like, we, we used to kind of joke, but he's, but he's declawed, let's check. And that would be a lot of the times because they can't, that's a natural defense for them to use their claws. And if they don't have that, then what else are they going to do? They're going to use their mouth instead if they can't use their claws. Um, I mean, if it was just the toenail, but they're, it's actually a, they're removing a digit. So it's just think if it was like one of your knuckle joints being taken off. So it's not just, it's not just a nail. It's actually part of their, their little kitty finger basically. So um, I know a lot of the veterinarians are getting away from that. And my personal opinion okay. is try something else. There are lots of things you can do. Now, if someone had a, you know, we, the thing used to be, hey, it's better than turn them into the shelter, that type of thing. But, I mean, they're just a, nowadays there's so many other options you can try before you had to do that. There's the little uh, kitty claws you can put on their nails so they don't scratch things. There's, like, all kinds of sprays and different training methods. So I think there are a lot of other options that you can try first. Yeah, and I have things I wouldn't want scratched. You know, I have uh, like a couple of guitar amplifiers with the, the little mesh in front. It'd be the perfect thing right. for the cats to uh, to sharpen their claws on or just play with. And that, right. that'd be a reason not to have a cat. But I would I would never. You know, this is my view. Like I said, I would never do that to a cat. So I would not have a cat here where the things that they could scratch that would cause me grief, just because mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to the cat. And I was still, and then, you know my stuff and everything else. So it just seems to me responsible not to to have. But cats have always intrigued me. And I think I, I might be mm-hmm. more of a cat person than a dog person, unless I had a dog that I could work with or was working or was like, you know, guarding, you know, Action Radio Central or something like that. Once we once we build our compound, the Action Radio right. World you know, Citizen Legislation Center, uh, I might have like several, you know, Dobermans and German Shepherds running around the outside. Don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, the, but I would, you know, I don't understand things like that. I don't understand decline. I don't understand. Th- I don't understand what people do with animals. They take them, they leave them. You know, I don't understand returning them two weeks later. A lot of this stuff is is kind of new to me. And in even two of, days later, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, terrible. yeah. It's it's like you know what. You know, think about it. Spend more time with the dog at the shelter first. I mean, there's just all these things people can do. But there's there's mm-hmm. a certain Absolutely. amount of, of of ignorance and selfishness. I think that goes into this. Dark's going to call him in. It's something we might want to pick up on next week. Ignorance that you just you really aren't looking into this enough. This is a this is a responsibility for the life of the animal, and that's what you're taking Absolutely. on, which is great. But you got to know what you're doing. And selfishness, you know, it's just it's all about you. You you want this cute little fluffy thing, and and if it doesn't serve you, then it's it's, it's usefulness is, is gone. And those two things seem yeah. to combine. Does that make sense? 
Yes, absolutely, and that's one of the things, you know, with, that bothers us. Like, these animals should not be disposable. If you're going to get a pet, you know, make sure that you're ready to commit. And, yeah, it may be difficult at times. Like, when you have children, your kids may drive you crazy, but you're not just going to go dump them. So it should be kind of along the same lines. Like, if you commit to having a pet, then you're going to be committed to caring for that pet medically, um, making sure that they have what they need mentally and physically, you know, food, water, shelter, and then attention. You can't just put them in the backyard and never pet them and then wonder why they're digging out or why are they so mean. You know, they they need the human interaction. They're a companion animal. That's what they're meant to be. Um, so, you know, people just do your research and give the dog time. So when a dog, for example, leaves the shelter, two days in your home is not enough time for them to acclimate to a new place. It takes, there, there's a three 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 rule, which is like three days to basically kind of just catch up on their rest and I think it's three weeks to decompress, and then after three months, you basically see their real personality coming out. So it's a process because, especially for a dog that's been in a shelter a long time, you've got to give them time to get used to your schedule. They're they're used to our schedule here, so you've got to give them time and just be patient with them because they're they're still trying to figure you out. Hey, is this guy going to dump me, or what's the deal? And so maybe they're not really kind of letting themselves relax either, you know, until they feel like they're in there for sure. Yeah. I got Derek on the line there. We're going to talk money. So if you just give the okay. address, uh, phone, and hours once again, then we'll uh, see you next week. Thank you. This has been very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Santa Rosa County Animal Services, 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our number is 850-983-4680. And you can check us out on Facebook or our website, santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. Perfect. Thanks, Tara. You can really do right, this. I appreciate it. I'm going to give you an extended hour sometime, and we can we can <laughs> talk about all these things. But uh, think about getting your your own animal show on Blog Talk. You should do that. Oh uh, yeah, maybe one day. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, you guys. Have a great weekend. Have fun. Have a great thanks, week. Bye. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices: stocks, bonds, mutual funds commodities. And then there are the markets, oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. You know, you could do your own show, too, if you ever want to do like a half hour or an hour on Blog Talk on, on Saturdays or something like that. might be interesting. I, mean, I wouldn't mind all my reporters doing that, you know, to uh, sort of build the action radio thing or just uh, build your own uh, radio show, business, whatever. What do you think? Um, now I'm not building my own radio show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just curious. Yeah, but uh, I have so many talented people here, and, and she's doing really well. Tara's new uh, to radio, new to the show. Uh, she's been here, I think, uh, well, some, a few weeks now, but uh, it's just, I, I just let her go. She's like, you know, hey, one question, and then the, it just runs with it. It's really fun. She actually does talk faster than I do, which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. All right, sir. Uh, I had a guest yesterday, um, a guy named Richard Vague, and I think he is, a, a, I guess what I would call a closet Keynesian. And was talking about how, I don't know if you had a chance to hear this or you know his stuff, uh, debt is good. And I'm like, no, it's not. He said, well, some debt is good, but too much debt is not good. And it's, uh, he was saying you have to have debt to, to get prosperity. And, and he was talking about private sector stuff like borrowing money for a factory. I said, well, yeah, that only works if the, if the factory makes enough to pay back both the interest and the principal. Then it works, and if it's only temporary. 
But the, the whole idea mm. of debt is, is there a psychology? And I don't want to criticize my pre- previous guest or, or, you know, get too far afield here. But, but the, is there a psychology to debt where people think that it is necessary or it's okay, or if they want it now, you know, I want this house now. I don't care if it's seven percent interest. I want it now. You know, is there? Uh, do people get caught up in 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 debt? Uh, is there like a psychological aspect to this? That, and the reality hits them. It's like, well, you you, you incurred the debt, so now you now you're stuck with it, kind of thing. Have you noticed that at all? Um, Big question. I, I, know, I'm sorry. I would look at it differently, actually. No, I would look at it like there is a psychology b- behind when people have money, they assume they can afford things that they really can't. Okay. So they'll 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 when they have money, and and this doesn't mean so. Don't take it as as you know. Hey, they have a high income or have a new job. Um, Let's say over a four-year period, five-year period, they accumulate, you know, a certain amount of money in an IRA, um, you know, or or you know, uh, you know, some some other faucet, um, you know, some other vehicle, and then you know they see this value and they assume that, um, you know, I can just go buy stuff with this, you know, this is this is what it's for. So they're willing to put themselves in more debt. Because they see this pool of money. But if it's a retirement account, it's for your retirement, you know, and if you take it out early, you know, so are they spending it or they just think of that as money in the bank? They think about it as money in the bank. They don't, they don't look at like, you know, the cost of getting it, you know, they don't care about that. They, 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 they focus on the gold nugget, you know, of putting yourself in debt and whatever it is. So, you know, um, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I find that more common, you know, with people that, that call me up and say, oh, you know, hey, um, you know, I, I thought my retirement accounts were an ATM machine, you know, um, you know, and, wow. and, and you know, okay, it doesn't work like that, you know, and, you know, I mean, it's sometimes, and, and this is going to sound a little stern, you know, it's like, I don't mind educating people, but, um if your first reaction when you run into a debt problem or you see a gold nugget and you want to go buy that gold nugget, if your first reaction is to dig into your retirement accounts and your long-term investments, you're probably not a good fit for me. Oh, come on. Don't come on. Sugarcoat it just a little bit. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I want to try to help you, but you know, you're obviously not going to help yourself if your first decision matrix is to drain everything that's going to support you when you're, when you're older, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something I have a little uncomfortable, uh, you know, uncomfortable feeling with. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure there's more psychology behind it, you know, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, okay. it's, uh, I, I ask very big, broad, general questions, and sometimes I don't even know where I'm going with the question. And some, and then, and mm-hmm. we sometimes find things is like you know the gold nugget in that is what you're talking about. The whole psychology, uh, and I never this would never have occurred to me. This is why it's, it was a great answer um, that uh, that people mm-hmm. see money, you know, uh, or like you know, it's kind of weird or whatever they get or if they get a raise, it's like okay, I can spend that money now. You know, the, the it doesn't matter. It's not. I guess it's not so much how much money you have. It's how much you have above your expenses. That really makes a difference. Right. You can have you can have a, a modest income, uh, but if your expenses are low, you can do really well with that modest income as opposed to high income. And if you have a bunch of ridiculous expenses, you know, huge car payments, you know, a second house, second mortgage, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. 
so that's I, that's what I try to train people on. You know, I try okay. to say I try to train them and say, okay, you know, if, if your income, you know, after taxes and your four hundred one k contributions that are moving your life forward, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 you know all the bills that you need to pay um, that come out of your check before you receive it are you know, uh, $5,000 a month. Let's just make that assumption, right? Okay. You know, it costs you, it costs you $4,000 a month to live, right? You know, to, to exist. And that includes car payments. That includes everything else. So normally so, I, you know, I focus on air conditioning like, bill, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. Right. I mean, I've, I think I've replaced, what is it? 11 air conditioners this, this season. <laughs> what? So, what do you mean? You replace, um, how do you replace air, What do you mean you have to replace air conditioners? I had the same for years. Um, great. I'm talking about, Clients that have called needed needed money, you know what I mean, because their air conditioners died. Oh, I thought they were stronger than that. I, I guess it never occurred to me. Well, I, I guess they, uh, no, they do. No, sometimes I, sometimes it just gets to a point where they're just like, okay, yeah, it's it's going to be cheaper for you to just replace the whole unit. Um, do they you know, burn so, out? Um, I mean, it's, they we do. Get more I mean, coming typically, here. huh? Yeah, typically, you know, I mean, they you you typically get twenty years out of the things. You know what I mean? Right. But. Uh, you know, it's it's there are some rare cases. Like I mean, I'll use my, my, my neighbor, he's not my client, but you know, I use him him for an example. I mean, okay. our houses are eight years eight years old and um right. he had an issue with his that uh, you know, they were like, you know, you can spend three thousand dollars or you can spend five and replace it. You know, it's like uh okay. Not to replace <laughs> you know, what it. do yeah. you do? Yeah, right, right. Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, and I and I've ran into several of those, but um um huh. you know, what's uh, um, well, see, I, 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 I just don't mind, I don't mind hot weather, so maybe I'm unusual. I don't blast the air conditioner. I don't have it at a high temperature, and I don't want the expense, quite frankly. I don't want to spend oh, yeah. a ton of money you know, on air conditioning, but there are people that run those things 24-7 in the summer. They run them from, what, mid-May through, like, mid-September, so <laughs> they never shut them off. Uh, I, I'm one of those people. <laughs> oh, no. Well, like, I mean, it's a choice, yeah. I mean, if you can do it, but I'm just thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not one of those people, but that goes to my my sort of philosophy now. As a, as I'm building a new company, uh, is <laughs> talked to my guest yesterday. I said because he was a venture capitalist. I said, well, if you want to invest in Action Radio, say you were to invest in Action Radio, how would that work? <laughs> it, it was it really was a fun conversation. But um, but right. yeah. So but you know, and then I this is my philosophy is you know because I'm starting a new company because I'm doing something that's never been done before. It's going to take longer than it would be something more established. And so because of that, I you know, live inexpensively um, so that I'm not in, in massive trouble. But uh, the day will come, <laughs> we'll be talking, you know, when the national accounts come in and things like that. But even then, you know, I'm going to want you to tell me, you know, uh, Greg, <laughs> you know, you're new to this. <laughs> this is a new experience for you. You know, be careful kind of thing. So that's uh, how do you do that with people who right. raise money? You know, I mean, how do you how do you coach folks that are, are new, um, new to money? As I'm going to be. <laughs> Hopefully we'll find out. Um. You know, it's 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 definitely a mixed bag. Um, I will okay. tell you, um, you know, people that come into money and have changes, the people that that actually sit down and start making the right decision are less than a third. Less than a third of of, of people, I would say, you know, would would you know, hey, okay, this is happening. Let me sit down and figure out how this is going to affect the dynamic in the future. Um, you know, it's 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 common. It's not a lot of people. They'll get the money, start making decisions about it, and then call me up and say, "Hey, um, what do I do now?" 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And but now they've already got now they've already got that new car payment, right? Now they've already got that new boat payment. Now they've already got you know they they went and took care of the things that they should have planned for up front, and then I have to deal with the consequences of it. You know, right. now those those as long as they have the income stream, those are recoverable. And I normally try to educate them. I'm like, okay, you know, if you're going to make these large purchases, these are the type of things that we should communicate things about. You know, before pulling the trigger on to make sure that we're keeping your path, you know, where you where you need to go. Um, you know, and that's uh, the the instance I was talking about before. I got a little sidetracked. You know, if if somebody makes five thousand dollars a month and it's four thousand dollars a month for them to live, that thousand dollars a month, you know, it, it it if they have goals, you know, of having X amount of dollars in the future, or you know, putting their kids in school, or saving for another home, or you know, buying a boat or something like that, you know, I use that thousand as the planning metric. You know, I'm like, okay, well, hey, this is this is where we're at now. Normally. When I sit down with people, I'm kind of like, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm not a miser. I want you to have extra money to, you know, eat out and go to concerts mm-hmm. if you've got disposable income and stuff like that, right? You know, mm-hmm. but but some people will tell me, well, yeah, I mean, I want to have, you know, a half a million dollars at retirement, and mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. I you know, um, I want my debts paid off and I want all this stuff and I'll do all that that math and all that stuff and they'll have a thousand dollars left in the budget. So I'll, I'll even go with they'll have $2,000 left in the budget, and I'll be like, okay, well, you can meet that goal by the time you're 60 years old if you save $1,500 a month, right? And they can do right. that, right? Or they'll be like, yeah, let me go ahead and start with $100. i am going to start with $100 a month. Um, you know, and, and we're going <laughs> to – And they've got 2000 extra? I'm, I'm serious. You know, you can't no, make I believe stuff you. up. You know what I mean? No, um, it, it's, a, it's a small percentage of people really that come in and have that kind of capital – you know, that, that really will take it seriously. And, you know, I tell people, I'm like, you know, Hey, let's, let's be aggressive with this goal. Um, you know, if you want to be aggressive with this goal and start out and see how it works out. And then, you know, after about six months, let's sit down and, and see if your life was changed so much that you can't function. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, if, 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 if it really cut your throat to a point where, you know, you weren't willing and, you know, when I analyze people's finances, you know, I mean, I'm like, okay, you know, how much, you know, do you spend eating out and extracurricular activities? That's normally what, what, what bags people, you know what I mean? A mm-hmm. lot of people don't realize they're spending four and $500 a month, you know, eating out. And I'm talking about eating lunches and I'm talking about taking your family out and stuff like that, oh. you know, and, and, and while it's convenient, Starbucks. you know what I mean? <laughs> Little things. What's that? Yeah. Starbucks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, so, so I I show people and I add it up now. Now, if you've got that disposable income and you know, you want to go do that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But I will tell you more millionaires were created from being, being frugal and making frugal decisions and, you know, uh, uh, you know, building what you currently have than people Mm -hmm. trying to build what you have and just living this lavish lifestyle and, you know, hoping it happens around it. Yeah, it'd be. I guess the best thing to do is set up a system where there's like an automatic um, deposit of so much money, so that they don't really see it. It's kind of like a withholding tax. The whole purpose of withholding is people don't notice the money is gone. They have their quote take home pay because the government's already taken money out of the account. Something that I would like to change. But can people set up a thing like that where they just automatic? They just don't see it. It's like the you know paycheck they automatically transfers to an investment account. Can they do that so they don't have the tendency to spend it? Yeah, and and I normally encourage that, you know. Okay. So, um, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, you, you know, the best way to go. I mean, if you don't miss the money, you know what I mean? Then, then, um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely gonna, gonna improve your life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm pretty responsible when I, when I'm able to do stuff, when I was a tour guide, uh, during the, the heyday of San Francisco tour guiding, I was making a lot of money and paid off all my debts, was debt free, put money in the bank, you know, it was, it was, it was in really good shape. Um, then I tried radio. <laughs> That's another story. But, it, you know, but given that my temperament's pretty good. So I think when the day comes when I do have, you know, a sizable income coming in from the show once we break our censorship and some of the other things. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to be pretty good. Uh, do, before we get to the report, do, do you just can you tell people's temperament, um, maybe without them even saying so? You sort of, someone walks in, can you tell if like the, the, just by a few questions? Because I used to be able to do this as a flight instructor. I could tell who's going to be a good pilot. I could tell who's going to suck. I could tell who was going to be totally arrogant and not listen to me. And I could tell who was going to really try hard within about 30 seconds, <laughs> just by their attitude. Yeah. Do you, do you find that with yeah. people too? Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say yes. Um, you know, um, I would say I'll give you two aspects of that. Um, one, you know, when I, when I, um, you know, I'm training people to be, you know, good uh, or, or, you know, training people to be financial advisors, you know, you become a good financial advisor. I mean, I learn stuff every day, right? If you don't sharpen mm-hmm. your sword, you're not going to be good. Oh, but when they come in here and I, and I, and I sit down with them, um, you know, and, and I'm trying to train them and help them learn. I can tell, you know, most of the time with a, with a certainty if they're going to be successful or not. Hmm. Um, you so you know, actually and, you train financial and, people and, now? Is that where you are at oh, this point in your I career? Have I have been for I have been for years. Yeah, so, you should, so, you should you know, uh, mention that because maybe I can get you some more people to, to work with. Yeah. I mean, and and that's fine, um, you know. But uh, and then you got clients that come in, and you know, mm-hmm. I I sit down with them, and you know, I I tell them I tell them how our process works, you know, because most of the time people have the expectation to have me kind of lead the meeting, not them lead the meeting, right? So when they come in, it's rare that you have somebody that comes in and they're just like, you know, they they just vomit on you, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> it's 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 very rare, but you know, when they come in. You know, I, I, I tell them how our process works, and then I said, okay, now, you know, tell me what it is that you're trying to do. What are your goals, you know, and, and, and you know, what would you like to see happen, you know, and then they start laying stuff out, and then I start kind of asking questions. Typically, you know, the people that have – they don't necessarily have to have answers to this question but are capable of helping you develop a plan are the people uh-huh. that are going to be more successful. The people that are just like, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I just thought this would be a good idea. Yeah, those people are probably – it's going to be an ATM machine. You know? <laughs> oh, so, oh, wow. you know? That's that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah and it's funny, the, the flight instruction reference. I mean, I really could tell. In fact, I got to the point, uh, which is as I was you know, in the process of burning out as an instructor, because I did too much of it because it was the only, my only source of income. And as things were, were heading south with the airlines, they all went out of business eventually. Um, but uh, I could actually tell people – you know, one time I remember telling people what mistakes they're going to make. I said, here's where I think you're going to have difficulty in the flight today. And sure enough, you know, most times I was right, simply because you just get that instinct for people. And you, you don't really want to do that because you don't want to be that, you don't want to tell people they're that predictable. But on the other hand, you know, you can just, you can really tell. It's fascinating. Um, one of the things, just real quickly, too, that uh, I remember when I had, before I had heart surgery, before my, I, I went to my consultation with the surgeon. 
And he was like, where's, where's your other family person? I said, what do you mean other family person? I can make my own decisions. Really? <laughs> he says, uh, he says, most people come here, you know, with a box Kleenex and they're crying their eyes out. They're like, you know, little babies. He says, you've got a notebook with questions. I said, well, yeah, I've got stuff I want to know. So that's how I approach finance the same way. If I can approach, you know, a, uh, a life-saving heart operation, very, you know, logically, responsibly, and, and kind, of, kind, kind of coolly, actually, surprise this guy. Uh, I think I do the same thing with finances, but I think that's just my temperament. Even in emergencies and airplanes, I've been calm, I've handled it, got the checklist, dealt with it, dealt with an engine that quit, dealt with, you know, gear that wouldn't pump it, you know, wouldn't go down, we had to pump it down, dealt with uh, radios and instruments failing in the clouds, and I just dealt with it. You know, I mean, do you notice that, too, the people just, even in a crisis, are like, okay, well, Tell me the parameters. What's going on? What's uh, you know, how do what's that? What's the best plan for this? And then the others like, oh my God, sell everything now, you know, before I lose another penny. People are funny. Yeah. No, that's a, it, there's 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 psychology behind that. You know, I okay. mean, it's uh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, prospect theory. I think it's I think it's called. Um, you know, prospect theory basically says, um, mm-hmm. you know, what equities have a, have a tendency to do what's called mean reversion, which mean reversion means that they go back to their original price, right? Um, and, oh, okay. and statistics have shown this over and over and over again, right? And typically mm-hmm. when it does that, when it goes back to that, or, you know, as the day traders would call it, when it goes back to the 52-week low, um, you know, that is a buying opportunity because statistically it's going to go back to its 52-week high, right? 52-week or, or one year, right, if you look at mm-hmm. it like that. Mm-hmm. Clients, on the other hand, um, you know, when they see that happen and they've already owned it, have a tendency to say um, – you know, either either well, there's there's two there's two paths that they can choose. Let me go ahead and either get more risky, but not necessarily buy more to try to recover the loss, or mm-hmm. you know, hey, let me let me just you know sell everything while it's while it's down and I'm at what I paid for it. Um, oh, that's you know, so I yeah. I don't feel like I've lost anything, and you know I'm I you know that's where I have to educate people. You know, what I mean, like I'm like okay. I said, so, you know, you, your plan was to make this money over five years. It's been two, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, we've you experienced done a rough patch. And, <laughs> and, you're, and, and you told me you had five years, but now all of a sudden you don't have five years anymore. So were we not clear in planning our goals or yeah. were you not clear in how long the timeline was? No, 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 no. We got five years. And I'm like, so are you just, you're just changing your mind? This isn't for you or, you know, you, you, you know, the risk is now what's scaring you and, you know, uh, so I, I go through stuff with people, and you know, most of the time I end up talking them off the ledge and saying, "Okay, you had a plan, let's stick with it." Right? Um, you know, and and you know, there there are always, I'm telling you, you know, one out of a hundred, you know, there's one out of a hundred that's just like I can't take it anymore, do it. And um, you know, typically, you know, I'm not really being rude, but I'm like, okay, if this is the decision you're making, tell me where to send the check. Because yeah. it's it's I am no longer I'm I'm no longer viable to you I'm no longer useful because you're making your investment decisions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you should write a book. You, you need. To, I'm sure it's been done before. The psychology of the small term small time investor or something like that or the there's, you know the psychology. I've told you. you know, I've told you. Yeah. yeah. I've told you before. There's certifications that you can get that focus on behavior uh, psychology of financial advising. I had forgotten it. Good reminder. Yeah. yeah thank you. ABH American Behavioral ABSP, I think it financial professional American financial behavior professional or something like that. ABF. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to look it up because I can't remember no, what it okay. is. Yeah. No, this is yeah. I, just the fact that it exists is, is fascinating. It's that widespread a problem. 
It's that fascinating. Can you just one last question? <laughs> we actually the, the report, the last part. Can you, can you take a look at a stock, take a look at its low and its high, and if it's in a cycle, can people? Is it reliable enough where you can kind of predict? Not not exactly because nothing's exact. But if it's heading yeah. for a low, you know, in its in its cycle, so you can like measure. So pick GM for example. Oh, GM has a, mm-hmm. like a two year cycle. It goes it's really high one year, then it's kind of lower the next year, then it's high. Can you actually time it so the one is low period you buy more and you know you know buy low sell high kind of thing? Do people do that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, is it is it is it finite? You know, are there problems that come up with that sometimes? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But I would say, you know, if you're if you're buying a company that is a, you know, mega cap or a large cap company, um, mm-hmm. you know, a company that's that's more than likely not going anywhere. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you see those dips and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a purchasing opportunity. You know, what I mean, because your goal is to hold it for the long term and let the stock continue to accumulate over time, right? So. Um, yeah, when that does happen, when it has mean reversion, or it mm-hmm. goes from you know from its 52-week high to its 52-week low, you know those are those are entry opportunities. Or if you already own it, you know you increase your holdings. Yeah, and yeah, and, maybe yeah. buy in January when the car sales are low, and then sell in August after the summer sales or after Labor Day. Right. <laughs> you know, sell after Labor Day kind of thing. So with know, car companies, the, car companies uh-huh. that doesn't necessarily always hold true. You know, what I mean, like it it makes sense, and and sometimes it does. But you know, you run into you know uh, fuel costs, right? If right. fuel cost bikes, and you're in the wintertime, people, you know, people are people or are, are, are summertime, people aren't buying cars, right? You know, I mean, right. so. Right. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, you've got some other mitigating factors. So, you know, it, it, and the same for like, um, you know, there's was, there's was people that were like, oh yeah, I'll go buy moving companies, um, you know, because you know the military moves and you know in the summer and the fall and you know and and people tend to move in the summer more than everything else. You know what I mean? Like that will hold true sometimes, but then you mm-hmm. also run up against, you know, the other economic factors. Yeah, I would invest in, in a U-Haul uh, distributorship in California right now because the cost of a U-Haul leaving is like 1200 bucks, and the cost of a U-Haul going to California is like 300 <laughs> I mean, it's something ridiculous yeah. because they need more yeah. U-Hauls there, so that'd be interesting. Let's get the numbers before we get lost, and uh, this is great. This is, I, I love these little chats so that I have no idea. I, again, I didn't plan this. It just This is spontaneous radio, so it's a, I think that's what makes it so much fun. So what's going on in the yeah. economy? All righty. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Markets finished the month month largely lower. Equities closed lower on Thursday afternoon with the S&P down about 0.15%, although still on pace to finish the week higher by over 2%. For the month, uh, markets are lower, although well off their highs from mid-August. At the lows, the S&P 500 was down nearly 5%, and the NASDAQ corrected over 7%, although both indexes were on track uh, excuse me, to close the month down just 1% to 2%. The recent softer-than-expected job openings data, combined with cooling ADP employment and lower jobless claims, helped support the narrative that the Fed may not need to raise rates further. The U.S. equity Thank closed you. lower today. Sorry, got to get me the page two there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you do that. Uh, Dow Jones down 168, uh, 168 points or 0.48 to 34,722, and the Nasdaq closed up 
seven or 16 points or 0.11 to 14,035 and the S&P 500 closed down seven points or down 0.16 to 4508. And the bond market 10-year treasury yield is trading at 4.1%, lower by 0.01. Uh, in the commodity markets, the price of gold, gold, excuse me, the price of crude oil was up a dollar 92 or point 2.35% to 83.55 and the spot price of gold was down $6.30 or down 0.32 to uh, 19, $1,966.70. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. You can get me at 850-995-0082. Interesting. You say the phone number exactly the same way every time. I could go back, you know, two years. <laughs> you say it exactly the same way. It's fascinating. Um, oil's up. <laughs> yeah, I just love yeah. this. I joke, folks. Oil's up three bucks. That's... Um, I'm noticing things. The market seems to be down a little bit. The price of oil's up a little bit. I, I'm not seeing yep. a huge trend here, but it seems to me that there's some le- some of the leading indicators are leading to a bit of a of a decline of the uh, economic growth and the, the economy right now. Are you seeing that? Yeah. You know, and okay. and sometimes that that holds true. It's like uh, oil will will uh, you know be tethered with uh, be tethered with uh, you know the market with what's going on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the first time I've seen it over $80 in a while. That's why I was curious because $80 is like the, the, the sweet spot. You know, below that, the, the producers have a problem, and above that, the consumers have a problem. Is, is that kind of how it works, or is, it, is that too simplistic? Ah, too simplistic. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. Yeah. That's why yeah. I asked. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't have an ego here. I'm just curious. Um, interesting. Uh, okay. That's all I had. Uh, oh, I know. There's one more question for you, if you have a second. The, uh, the Jackson Hole, the, 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 all the feds of the world gathered together. Um, are they still there? Has anything come out of it? Are they still holding to uh, you know, their the magic 2% inflation, which to me is 2% robbery? What, um, any news from that whole thing? You know, I mean, it, um, we had a small commentary on it, um, you know, and it uh-huh. basically said the Fed, the Fed is uh, is still being a little hawkish on potentially raising rates one more time. Um, uh-huh. You know, it, it, uh, it you know, uh, the company and a lot of people seem to think the Fed is going to pause for the next couple months to see what inflation does. You know, so um, my take on it, and this is personal, so while they are meeting and the information that they have from their meeting seems like, you know, we're unsure, you know, it's more uncertainty, um, Mm -hmm. I seem to think that they're they're at at the peak right now. You know, I think they're going to wait and see what inflation does. If it naturally starts continuing to trickle back, they're not going to raise rates anymore because I think the Fed is chomping at the bit to go the other direction. Well, it depends on whether Congress spends trillions of dollars more money. They don't have a debt ceiling right mm-hmm. now. So if Congress, you know, comes up with another, you know, COVID stimulus plan, because they seem to be bringing back, you know, COVID policies without actual COVID, um, mm-hmm. this, this could be, this could throw the inflation thing completely out, especially if uh, the folks in power want to spend money, you know, for the election. And they want, they want to have an yeah. economy that looks good. And, but they may end up causing a, a huge amount of inflation in the process, and the Fed might be stuck with it. So there's a political component to this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, um, you know, I would agree okay. with that. Um, huh. I would also, you know, I would also add that, um, you know, the Fed, um, you know, e- even though, um, you know, they don't have a spending limit or the, the, the government doesn't have a spending limit right now, I think mm-hmm. they know that the that, uh, 
they're going to have to do something about it. You know what I mean? That that they can't just continue to do this and just just spend money frivolously. Do you really think that they think that way, or are they just saying that? Because they've done nothing to show that. They've never lowered the debt ceiling. I think they're they've never cut spending. What's that? I think they're backed into a corner. I really do. You know, I okay. think with 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 where we're going and where we are, um, that there's going to have to be some type of action and some type of more more thorough planning. I, I doubt you're going to see you know what happened over the last three years happen again. Um, okay. I, I'm good, and and I'm putting a lot of faith. I'm putting a lot of faith in 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 our leadership, in our government. You know, and a lot of people may not trust that. And I'm not asking you to. You know what I mean? It's just that's my, my personal feeling. You know, uh-huh. I mean, America and, and and America has prevailed because in the most times of 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 problems, you know, they've they've made decisions to move forward. And I really think that that you know the the voter base. And, you know, how people feel has gotten to a point where they're like, okay, we need to start making those decisions because we've gotten too far. Yeah. Now, I think the voter base is pretty smart, but I also think the election was stolen. So we're not getting, we're not getting the vote of the people. We're getting the vote of the government. And that's, me, that's my personal opinion, so I don't want to reflect on you. But yeah. I think that has a direct Absolutely. bearing on what's going on because none of the things that have happened in, since uh, January 20th, 2021, have been legal as far as I'm concerned. And so all the right. spending – you know, the potential troops going to uh, Ukraine, you know, all the things that are going on now, the, the billions and in, in the, the trillions of, of, of dollars that have been spent, none of that's legal. Uh, now, I, mm-hmm. saying that doesn't change anything, unfortunately, but uh, and I've got to, my latest article is, is, is all, all decent America first people need to have an I am Spartacus moment and declare, you know, the, the, well, read my article, you'll see there. But um, there's mm-hmm. just, there's so much. I'm very curious to see what happens when Congress comes back. They should not have taken this month off. They're a complete dereliction of duty, and a lot of stuff happened in the meantime while they were gone, including four Trump indictments. One more question, if I possibly can. Um, why do the central banks need to meet together? Do they coordinate policies? Do they just learn from each other? Why do all the feds need to talk to all the other feds around the world? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know off the top of my head. Um, you know, so I would, I would have to, I would have to go look and, and I have noticed as well as some of the other feds from each of the major cities will have their own opinions as well. And their own opinions are weighed heavily, um, sometimes on what happens in the market. That's interesting. So we should talk about the different feds. I imagine the New York fed having wall street has a, has a major impact over maybe some of the other feds. Would that be true? Yes. You know, I just learned uh, I just learned a thing um, here recently why they call it Wall Street. <laughs> so it's yeah, kind of interesting. Well, go ahead. Well, you can tell the story, but it's, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there there actually used to be a wall. Um, you can mm-hmm. actually on the on the the cobblestone that's there, you can see you know where the where the uh, pillars were removed from the wall, and what it did was it separated um, the uh, Native Americans and the uh, colonialists uh, mm-hmm. from. You know, from from where the downtown area was, because you know everybody was 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 very mean to each other. You know, I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave that back where it was. Uh, so they, they figured, uh, you know, hey, let's just build a wall and we'll just separate it. And it was there up until oh, something like the 1900s or something like that. You know, if I'm not mistaken, that it was taken down. I have to look at what it was specifically. Yeah, got to keep the Indians out. <laughs> now, was that built during yeah. when it was New Amsterdam, or was it actually New York at that point? I think it was New Amsterdam. It, okay. And I think Just curious. Uh, it was. Yeah, it's and I and I'd have to go look. Uh, you know, the, the movie Gangs of New York. 
um, was loosely based on things that really happened. If you if you uh, you know go back in time, um, mm-hmm. you know. So I I find that very interesting. You mean they actually had the ancient rules of combat and they brought out uh, meat cleavers and uh, you know other things and, and killed each other in the street. I don't know about that, but I do <laughs> I do know that uh, when I yeah. when I read something on it that it was something like you know you had the Irish immigrants which you know people were were very racist against you know what I mean like you had oh, yeah. the you know the the American colonialists which came from from Britain and and you know separatists the French and Indian mm-hmm. War had been going on so you had them you know what I mean like you had bleed over from the French people which went south. Um, yep. And they ended up forming all these gangs in New York because New York was a big hub for, you know, uh, immigration because people were just coming in on boats and droves, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So, so all the people that kind of already had this stuff established were like, Hey, you know, I mean, you guys, you know, were coming in and they had, it was a different culture, um, you know, and it was uh, different things and, you know, there was resistance to it, you know, so it, it, uh, everybody started forming these gangs and, you know, they were fighting. I'm not sure that they pulled out knives and just started slashing each other, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Watch the film again. It's kind of interesting. But it's interesting that the treatment of the Irish uh, in the Northeast, I mean, in Tip O'Neill, the speaker, when Ronald Reagan was president, used to say when he was a kid, he would see signs in the windows, Irish need not apply uh, when there were help wanted signs. You know, and that was in his oh, life. Yeah. So the treatment of the Irish in the North is not that different than the treatment uh, of blacks in the South. Other, you know, the Irish didn't have a slave history, but they had an indentured servitude history, you know, in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's yeah. the, and the, the Sullivan laws banned uh, the Irish from owning guns in New York the same way, you know, laws in the South banned blacks from owning guns. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of parallels, but you don't think of that because the Irish are white people. So it's it's an interesting but the history, the parallels are, are, are remarkable because the British looked down on the Irish. You know, you think of Australia as, and if you have to go anytime, please let me know. I don't want to keep you. Um, but Australia was basically the gene pool of Australia is, is, is Irish prisoners. <laughs> it's an interesting place yeah. to build a country from. So you wonder why they're competitive and, and full of spunk and vigor. That's why. They're, they're all descended from yeah. convicts. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it makes for, for, for uh, I loved Australia. Still do. But uh, that's, yeah. that's the, the there's, thing. There's, there's a good okay. book on that that uh, that is that is it's not banned, but it's 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 hushed up. That, oh that, really? That, and I, yeah, I can't. I'll get the title of it. Um, and and I haven't read it by any means, but basically, it is the the best account of history of slavery in the United States, and it and it and it puts the premise that there have been more Irish and, and white slaves than there have been any other and puts that uh-huh. information and, and proves it basically. And, yeah, you know, it's like, nobody really wants to look at that. You oh, know, I do. Because of, <laughs> I do now. You know, the, yeah. <laughs> you know me. I, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to discount, you know, I mean, slavery was deplorable. You know what I mean? Of it's course. deplorable for any person, any culture and anybody that does it today is, you know, it, it still exists today. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and it's absolutely disgusting. You know what I mean? Uh, humans have rights and, you know, I mean, they deserve more um, and pets have rights and they deserve more, you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, no, we, you know, uh, it's, it's still. Yeah. If you got the name of the book, let me know. Um, I might get the author on because I, I, I have sort of ADHD. Yeah. I, I have book reading problems. I don't have the patience for it. But we do a Labor Day special every year. So just to let folks know, too, we're going to be live Labor Day. And one of the things we talk about is company towns and we compare company towns to slavery. Most people don't realize that, uh, and these things died out pretty quickly because they were, they were horrible places. So not only were you basically a slave, you lived on, on company land in a company house and you shopped at a company store. They didn't pay you in money. 
they paid you in script. So the only place you could spend your script, you know, from your, your work was in the company store and the company rent. And they always paid you less than the cost of, the, of, of living. And by doing so, they, they built up debt. Now, a slave, as, as horrible as slavery was, uh, the slaves did not incur debt. They were not in debt to their owners. They didn't have to pay their owners, you know, for being a slave. Whereas the company town people, the people, people some, you know, quickly realized that this is a bad deal because they could not live. And the, the companies didn't care because, you know, employees were expendable. You know, like a slave, I've talked about this with, with Pianchi and some other folks. A slave was an investment. You know, if you were a slave owner, you didn't, you know, you wanted to get your money back from your slave, as, as barbaric as that sounds. But in a company town, ah, there's always somebody else that could work for me. Yeah, they don't care if a worker died in the mines or any of those other places. It's, it's a fascinating study. And nobody really talks about company towns, but that was another horrible chapter. Um, in our history, and, you know, and that's something we talked about on Labor Day. So if you're on Labor Day and you're bored, you know, call into the show. We'll, we'll talk uh, talk some labor history. Yep. Yeah. I anyway, got gotta no go over here. Well, let me let me get out of here. Um, okay. So it was it's been time. fun. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Fun, Take care. Fun more time. Have a nice day. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It was Dirk with uh, Action Radio, um, and uh, phone number is eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. All right. Thanks, Derek. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Take care. All right, it is now 8.11. We've got some extra time with Derek, which is always good. I mean, we, it's the only time I really get to talk economics. Although yesterday was an interesting guest. I mean, <laughs> Bianchi and I kind of hashed it out. Uh, he's on live chat right now, so um, that was interesting. Anybody wants to get on live chat, feel free. Just get an account at the bottom of the page. It's easy to sign in. It's free. Um, they want to do that just because they want to know who's talking. And sometimes we get some interesting comments that I have to delete. But for the most part, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good debate. Uh, Skype line, too, if you want to call in. You just have to call in in advance, and I approve your account. And then you can call in from anywhere in the world uh, live on Skype. So anyway, let me get you to the information. we got this hour free. And then in the, in the third hour, we've got Laurie Kellert who is a fellow blog talk radio talk show host, the Lucid Libertarian. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things uh, at 9 o'clock. It is now 8.12, and I'll be back in a little bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. 
Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. cool. Okay, it is 818. We're back here now and uh, live and uh, we're open for this hour pretty much. Uh, the, the main thing I want to talk about is an article I just published on Substack yesterday. And so it's something I talked about yesterday on the show, but now I have an article <laughs> so you can share it everywhere. Um, so you go to gregpenglis.substack.com. And it seems to me, and I'm amazed at how, maybe I'm not amazed, the, the response has not been 
what I expected. I thought folks would, would go, yeah, I'll make the declaration. I'll join in. You know, it, it's like millions of people have, have taken uh, Donald Trump's mugshot, which is pretty cool. I mean, it is. It's really cool. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> it's a really cool mugshot. So people are using that as their, their, um, their profile picture. This this posting all over the place. You know, you see it everywhere. And that's, that's great. But um, if you make a declaration that uh, what I'm calling the I am Spartacus uh, declaration, you know, I am Spartacus. <laughs> the, you know, the 2020 election was stolen. Brandon's not the president. That's going to mean something. And the whole logic of doing this is that because they're prosecuting Trump for saying the election is stolen, uh, what are they going to do if, every, if everybody says the election is stolen? And that's the whole philosophy. Now, of course, in the movie, I, you know what they did. They killed everybody. Uh, that, I'm not expecting that to happen now, but, uh, and, and they're censoring us anyway. So, I mean, what, what more? You know, the, meta, the, the metaphorically, you know, doing us in. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what's happening. And a lot of people are being arrested and thrown in jail simply for just to make an example of them so nobody else protests. I mean, that's what, that's what January 6th is all about. It's got nothing to do with crime or guilt or, or uh, you know, insurrection. That, that's just nothing to do with it. What it really is about is showing people that the government's tougher than you are, that if you try to resist and exercise your rights, you're going to get thrown in jail. That's what it's all about. You know, Waco. Look, look when, the, when the, the Clinton administration assassinated an entire community, which is about to show how tough Bill Clinton was. That's what it was about. Show how tough the, the ATF was and the FBI. You know, Randy Weaver, you know, Bundy Ranch. All that kind of stuff. The government routinely wants to show you how tough they are so that you don't resist their, their tyranny. That, you know, if you actually try to exercise your rights, I mean, they'll say you have rights. You know, I was watching, uh, um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jean-Pierre, uh, the press secretary, talking about, well, we uh, respect the rights of responsible gun owners. Oh, responsible gun owners. Well, what do, you, what do you view as a responsible gun owner? Well, to the government, it really is a non-gun owner. <laughs> so as far as it's like, you know, when they used to say the government, used to, the policy used to be, you know, the only good Indian is dead Indian or, or substitute the only good whatever is a dead whatever. I mean, you know, that's, that, that, that's kind of like a universal in history. So the only good gun owner is a gun owner that doesn't own guns because that's being responsible, right? That's what the government says. You know, the Second Amendment does not say the right of the responsible people, <laughs> you know, according to the government. Uh, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't say that. It says the right of the people. It means everybody. Okay? Equal protection of the laws, 14th Amendment. So the idea that the government can touch in any way your ability to own firearms um, is, is direct against the Constitution. So the ATF as an agency is an unconstitutional agency and cannot exist, certainly not legally. So the idea of Kareem Abdul-Jean-Pierre getting up there and saying that uh, – I kind of like that name <laughs> – I might keep it uh, getting up there and, and saying that, you know, we're, we're uh, responsible gun owners would approve this or common sense. Have you heard that term common sense gun reform or common sense gun safety? Well, it's just the government's view of what they want. It's got nothing to do with common sense. Common sense is what an individual does that, uh, that makes sense, but that's not how they view it. So they couch these things in all this language. So, so my language is, is uh, it's coming, you know, uh, again, my, my goal with Action Radio is to help the Trump campaign and talk to Donald Trump, not because I want the ratings. I'll get them anyway if I talk to him. But, I mean, not be, that's not the reason. The reason is I really believe that we can help Trump campaign because we have bills and we have ideas and we have things here that would take so much off the news and put, you know, Trump stuff, good stuff on the news. You know, yesterday I had a guest, Richard Vague, who's an economist, venture capitalist, banking commissioner. You know, he's been on both sides of this, and, and now he's, uh, he's an author. He's writing a bunch of books on the economy. He's talking about the paradox of debt. He was on yesterday talking about the paradox of debt, uh, how debt can be good and bad. And I, I, I challenged him a little bit because I'm not convinced that debt is ever good unless it's temporary and you can make more money from it. 
You know, I, I know that's why people do it, but you look at credit card debt. When people keep, they keep spending on their credit cards and paying off their credit cards only enough that's necessary so they can do more spending. Well, that's, that's crazy because now you're paying interest. Interest to me is dead money. Interest to me is useless money. It's money that you have to pay, um, but it doesn't get you anything. So, so if you can avoid interest, the way you avoid interest is to avoid debt. So I don't see how debt is good, not on a regular basis. I guess probably the biggest one is the mortgage. Mort, death. <laughs> a mort gauge is a death gauge. <laughs> it's a death contract. So in other words, even if you die, you know, the bank's going to get your house. <laughs> so really, it's an interesting philosophy. The whole, the, the, people don't think of where the word come, words come from, but mortgage means a death contract. So there you go. So is, is that really a good thing? I'm not sure. Anyway, so my philosophy, my idea, my, my, my um, reason for writing the article that I wrote yesterday in Substack at gregpengliss.substack.com is because we really need all of the America First people, I mean all of them, to get up and, uh, and start making a statement. And the way you do it is you do it on Facebook, do it on social media. They need to do it. You know, all, all the members of Congress and, and the Senate that believe in America First, and that's not all the Republicans. You know, and, and rhino, we don't use the term rhino anymore. We call them transgender Democrats. But, and there's some Democrats that, that, that I, I think believe in this country. Now, granted, they've got different ways of going about fixing it. But uh, Robert Kennedy is, is the prime example of someone that absolutely loves this country as much as Donald Trump does. Different way, uh, different viewpoint on how to fix it. That's why I want to get those two together for the next, um, next time the Republican goobers are debating. Goober, that's short for a globalist deep stater. <laughs> Goober. <laughs> that's what I call him. I could call him Globber, but <laughs> I mean, that made more sense. I may call him Globbers. I'll make up a new word. Well, anyway, but that's how it goes. So if, if you remember the movie Spartacus, you know, where Kirk Douglas is about to get up, you know, when uh, Crassus, you know, played by Sir Lawrence Olivier, and I don't think he was Sir at this point. He was just Lawrence Olivier with a deep voice. Yeah, that's the British actor. He said, I will, set, I will set you all free. I will spare your lives if you simply turn over the slave known as Spartacus. That's not a very good Lawrence Olivier, but you get the idea. Dramatic British, you know. Anyway, so uh, Spartacus, so Kirk Douglas is playing Spartacus. He, he goes to stand up, and then uh, um, Tony Curtis playing Antoninus, which is a fictional character I learned yesterday from Wikipedia, uh, stands up with him, and they both say, I am Spartacus. And another says, I am Spartacus. And someone else, no, I am Spartacus. You know, and so all the, all the whole hillside gets up, and they all scream, I am Spartacus. And the reason is because they were going to deny to the Roman oppressor uh, Spartacus. They're not going to just kill him and torture him and exploit him. You know, they have to do it to all of them. Well, uh, the same philosophy, I think, can hold true today. If Donald Trump is being prosecuted for saying the election is stolen and everybody else is saying the election is stolen, it's going to be a little hard to prosecute Donald Trump for that. Equal protection of laws and all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm waiting for a Supreme Court judge to throw all this nonsense out, and that's what they should do. All these, all these cases, lawsuits, everything, they should all be tossed before they even get started. Because these are purely political. It's got nothing to do with law or justice or, you know, truth, justice or the American way. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. They're just doing it because they're in charge. They stole the government and they're, they feel entitled to do anything that they, they, they want simply because they stole the government. They got away with it so far. And so they, they're just exercising power. And part of that power means uh, taking Donald Trump off the ballot because they can't beat him. They know they couldn't beat him, uh, obviously, when uh, he beat Hillary in 2016. Oh, that was shock. I said, wait a minute, this guy's for real. We've got to do something about this. So that's why they stole the election in 2020. Everybody knows they stole the election. In fact, the people who know most are the ones that protest the most that it wasn't stolen. 
because they know it was stolen, because they know that Joe Biden couldn't beat Donald Trump in a free and fair election. They know that. Why do you think they went to such great lengths to bring in all the mail order and change the rules and the laws and the regulations? I mean, they prove beyond a shadow, even if you don't have, you know, computer information or stats or, or a recount, you know, fraud, all it doesn't even matter. Just the amount of things that they did during the election process and before and, and the whole counting and the blocking of the observers and everything else, everything they did signaled that they were stealing the election, everything. So to not believe that is simply because you wanted the election stolen. The only, you know, that's, that's a, one reason people are saying it wasn't stolen. They wanted the election stolen because they didn't want Donald Trump for some reason. Uh, they're against prosperity and you know, uh, low-cost energy and a great foreign policy and making NATO pay their fair share and building a wall to keep illegal aliens out and uh, dealing with China properly. I guess they didn't want that. Actually, that's my next article, you know, if the government chooses the government. <clears throat> but um, that's coming. <laughs> but this one is it's called It is Time for an I Am Anne. I am Spartacus moment, declaring that the 2020 election was stolen. So I think I just read it to you. I got a little bit of time. Uh, so we'll put this on the official Action Radio podcast record. And so I got my nice little logo there. And so I'll just, uh, I, I just read it to you. Anybody wants to comment, feel free. Call in 215-383-3832. Live chat's open. Pianchi's on live chat. Nobody else right now. See if you, see if you left me any messages. Nope. No messages yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's okay. Let's get going. My article. <laughs> You all remember the movie Spartacus, right? Kirk Douglas plays Spartacus, an escaped gladiator who ends up running an army of slaves trying to leave Rome. Well, Rome couldn't allow themselves to be beaten by a slave army any more than Democrats could allow being beaten in a free and fair election. So, in the end, after a series of bribes, corruptions, and betrayals, also much like Democrat elections, Spartacus and his army are slaughtered by several Roman armies. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me... Uh, uh, Mute myself and take a break here for for a second. Okay, I'm back. Oh, that's better. <laughs> Sorry, taking a, a Marco Rubio water break. I said, if you can imagine or remember what's left of the slave army on the hillside, Crassus, the Roman dictator played by Laurence Olivier, tells the slaves that if they turn over Spartacus, all their lives will be spared. Reminds me of the Trump electors. Anyway, not wanting his men to suffer, Kirk Douglas stands to say that he is Spartacus. At the same time, a fraction of a second behind, Antoninus, played by Tony Curtis, yells, I am Spartacus. When Kirk Douglas does, I can't believe I'm having trouble reading my own article. <laughs> and then I said, and a couple of seconds later, another gets up and yells, I am Spartacus, and so on, until every single man on the hillside is declaring in shouts that they are Spartacus, under the assumption that the Romans can't have Spartacus unless they take all of them. Fast forward to present day. It is time for every pro-American, pro-Constitution, pro-law, rights, and justice person to do exactly the same thing. All of you have to make a public declaration of the following. Cool graphics I put in the uh, article as well. The, the, the declaration is, I want this on all your Facebook pages, all your true social, all your social media, your getters, you know, your Twitters, X, whatever it's called now, you know, uh, everywhere you can. Uh, in fact, and all the public officials from Victor Davis Hanson, you know, to, uh, to um, oh, what's your name? Candace Owens. <laughs> there we go. Uh, trying to think of people. So everybody, everybody who's pro-America, who's pro-America first, has to make this declaration. And the declaration is, I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. Now, is that going to get us all arrested? I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. But that, that's what they're arresting Trump for, for saying Trump is being arrested by the people that stole the election for saying that those people stole the election. Why are they arresting him? It's part of the cover-up. 
So, so it's one thing to steal the election, but you've got to make people believe it in perpetuity. And the only way you can do that is with a cover-up. So the cover-up of the stolen election is what the J6 committee was all about. It's what all these persecutions are all about. It's what locking people up for, for being in the Capitol with a self, you know, cell phone taking selfies is all about. All this nonsense, these ridiculous uh, sentences, these totally bogus prosecutions, these prosecutorial lies. Everything that's going on now is to cover up the fact that they stole the election. They know they stole the election. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing any of this. If they didn't steal the election, why would they have to prove that they didn't steal the election? If they didn't steal the election, why would they be arresting everybody that says the election was stolen? If they didn't steal the election, why would they you know, be doing anything that they're doing now? They wouldn't. They would just say, oh, you're an idiot. You know, of course, the election was fine. And leave it at that and just carry on business as usual. But they're not doing that. That's how we know the election was stolen. Declaration once again. I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. Oh, is that the FBI outside my door? No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, that'd be interesting. That would be fascinating. Uh, if they take me away mid-show, that would be really interesting. But as I always say to the FBI KGB, look, if you want to talk to me, just call the show like everybody else does. 215-383-3822. I'll happily put you on the air. Even if I don't know, you know who it is on your line, I'll screen you first. And then if you say, uh, Greg, this is the FBI KGB, would like to talk to you. I said, can you talk to me on the air? Because <laughs> we're on the air. I'll put them on the air. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I'm sorry, I amuse myself way too much. Back to the article. Actually, back to my article. Anyone who uses the term President Biden or Biden administration or any reference to Brandon's illegal coup insurrection as a legal entity duly elected is a supporter of the coup and not to be trusted. Let me say that again. Anyone who uses the term President Biden or Biden administration or any reference to Brandon's illegal coup insurrection as a legal entity duly elected is a supporter of the coup and is not to be trusted. How many people say President Biden or Biden administration? Almost everybody in Washington. Well, that means they're not to be trusted. There'll be very few people uh, left who actually believe in America first who have not said President Biden or Biden administration. I don't say it. I say it only in reference to what you can't say. That's different. Because I know, I know, I just know, most people know that there is no such thing as a President Biden or a Biden administration. There is no such thing. It's not a legal entity. It does not exist. So therefore, everything that's happening now in Washington is illegal too. Any money that was sent to Ukraine, any action that was taken, any bill that was signed, any uh, executive order that was signed, anything that Brandon does or the federal government does is illegal because they're not a legitimate government. So the question is, you know, but it, it, that's hard to, to say to them, you know, when they're carrying you out the door in handcuffs. Although I would. I see you're not even a legal government. What are you doing arresting me? You have no right. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? <sighs> Let's see if they torture me, beat me with a rubber hose, try and beat a confession out of me. Actually, I've already confessed. <laughs> I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. That's my declaration on podcast. In perpetuity. There we go. Next part. Now, some of you may remember that ridiculous outburst in a hearing a while back when Senator Cory Booker talked about his I am a Spartacus moment. Obviously, he has never seen the film or his scriptwriters hasn't. I should say haven't because his remarks were totally irrelevant. Here is the real Spartacus. Uh, there is, this, this is a real Spartacus moment. Big difference. So why is this so critically important at this time in history? Because Trump is being attacked illegally by an illegal coup regime that has no restrictions on their illegal behavior. Why would they? Once you steal the entire U.S. federal government, you can do anything to anyone, and they do. So, once again, 
we the people have to make they the officials do the right thing. I have no faith in the Republicans, which is why I call them the gelding old party or GOP. The reason the 2020 election was able to be stolen was because Trader Pence, that would be Mike Pence, refused to send the dual elector slates back to their battleground state legislatures for resolving with one slate of electors sent back, as the Constitution allows. So the deep state wing of the GOP, in other words, most of it, will be as useless now as they have been since January 6th. The Democrats, even if some individuals believe what's happening to Trump is wrong, they can't do anything about it because the party will turn on them and they'll lose their power and privilege. Not, not something career politicians can afford. So now what? More graphics. <laughs> so much fun. Um, yeah, it's weird reading. Like I said, it's, it's kind of strange reading your own article. Especially, I just wrote this yesterday. But I like it. I'm kind of proud of it. <sighs> Here's what. At every, all right, so, so let me just back up with that last sentence so it makes more sense. So, so now what? So I asked the question, and so now what? And then I put down here, here's what. At every media appearance, at every speech, every event, every written article, every press release, every hearing, every time on the House or Senate floor, every corporate event, every fundraiser, every foundation appearance, in fact, at every possible opportunity, every official of the GOP, including officers of the Republican Party, must have daily I am Spartacus moments by repeating the I am Spartacus definition, excuse me, declaration above. In fact, I pretty much got memorized now. I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. So you need to put that on all your Facebook pages. But take mine. Just share it from my page. It's easy. Actually, it'd be better that way. That way they'll all look the same. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? I say that uh, next paragraph, every American first writer, advocate, speaker, every reporter, media host, talk host, podcast host, in fact, everyone who believes in a free America over a Marxist dictatorship must make their own I am Spartacus declaration at every opportunity. I think I made it, what, 20 times already this morning? <laughs> I said that every, in the next paragraph, every individual who loves this country must put their own I am Spartacus declaration on all of their social media, their TikToks, their stories, their emails. Their phone calls everywhere. The more declarations made, the more of us they will have to arrest for saying exactly what Trump is saying. Sooner or later, arresting Trump for saying what millions of other people are saying every day is going to look pretty stupid. They can't arrest the millions of us who should be, you know, millions of us who should be participating. Or could they? Hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting? Let me say that again. They can't arrest the millions of us who should be participating. Or could they? Wouldn't that be interesting? As we say at Action Radio, it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Please make your I Am Spartacus declaration now and often. That's the article. There's more stuff on my, uh, my Substack uh, thing here, but let me tell you where that, uh, that quote came from. <laughs> the, uh, uh, it's time to get off your butt and save your country. It came from uh, this. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election.
This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. So it's 8.38 now. I've got a few minutes before Lori joins us. And so I've got to, uh, we're open now. Anybody wants to call in, text in um, with anything that's on your mind. See if I can find, uh, I think I'll do the show Monday. I got about five different articles uh, on why my guest yesterday in terms of debt, at least public debt, um, I'm challenged. You know, like I say, I believe he's more of the Keynesian philosophy that taxing and spending by government is what creates wealth. And I would say just the opposite, that uh, that in the private sector, um, labor and raw materials and, and money and investment and capital is what creates wealth, you know, by creating finished goods and services. You know, that's what creates wealth and selling them for a greater amount than it costs to produce them or deliver them. That's, that's wealth. That's the generation of wealth. And so as money transfers hands, you know, in an economy, in the private sector, that creates wealth too. You know, you're not actually creating money, but you're creating wealth because as the ice cream person, you know, sells, you know, you buy an ice cream cone and the ice cream person, you know, buys uh, cream from the farm and the farmer buys seed and the, you know, the seed person buys shoes and the shoe person, you know, buys, um, I don't know, a car and then the car person buys, you know, and that's how it goes, right? So that's how money transfers. It's called the velocity of money. The faster money transfers in society, the, uh, the better the economy. But if the government's pulling out money for uh, taxing and spending and keeping it and causing more debt and causing more interest on the debt, then that's unproductive capital. That's dead money. The national debt is dead money because it has to be paid back. So we're not going to get anything for it. It's already been borrowed. It's been spent. And a lot of it was spent on stuff that shouldn't have been spent on. So we're not getting anything for it. Crazy. Oh, should I do news or should I do philosophy? I think I might save my philosophy one. Let me get you a couple of quick news stories in the news. This one needs a lot more attention. And this is from the BBC. Greece wildfires, 79 people arrested for arson. This is by, this is Europe heat waves six days ago. Where's my author? Uh, Andre Rodin Paul of the BBC News. And now the BBC News. Yes, there we go. Uh, but what, and this is my theory, and I think it holds true, that it's not climate change, it's climate arsonists. That are causing the fires. Not climate change, but climate wackos. Climate arsonists. Climate people that want would rather, you know, kill um, several hundred people than abandon their misguided, their totally bogus, delusional um, political science theories about climate change. So BBC, BBC News says Greece has called out arsonists after police arrested made 79 arson arrests over wildfires ravaging the country. Civil Protection Minister Vasilis Kik. Kikilias, going to work on my Greek, being Greek myself, said that there have been several attempts by arsonists to start new fires on Mount Parnitha, northwest of Athens. The blaze is one of hundreds in the nation where wildfires have already killed at least 20 people this week. And Mr. Gilgilas said, you are committing a crime against the country. Yeah. He says, arsonists, this is great, I like this, arsonist scum are setting fires that threaten forests, property, and most of all, human lives. And that's Mr. Gilas told Greeks during a televised emergency briefing on Thursday. He says, you will not get away with it. We will find you. You will be held accountable. Go get him. Go get him, Vasilis. <laughs> you know, knock him dead. <laughs> anyway, he says, summer wildfires are common in Greece. Well, of course, summer wildfires are common in all over the world. It's hot. <laughs> you know, uh, but is that climate change? You know, is it hotter by... So in other words, it's, it's much hotter in the summer than the winter by like up to 100 degrees. <laughs> You know, okay. So it can be, you know, there are places that are zero, you know, degrees uh, in the in the wintertime and 100 degrees in the summer. That's a 100 degree temperature difference Fahrenheit. Celsius, I don't know what that would be. 
But uh, if it's zero, to, like, like Toronto, my hometown, right? So Toronto would get frequently zero and below zero in the wintertime. And in the summer, it could easily be 100 degrees, not for long, but it would get over 100. You know, that's, that's a 100-degree temperature difference. So obviously, you're going to have more fires when it's hot. It's easy to start fires, and the, but more than the heat is the wind. You can get fires in the wintertime. You know, but if the if place is covered with snow, the fires aren't going to go too far. <laughs> you know, so lightning strikes, lightning strikes a tree in Canada in the wintertime. And where's it going to go? Well, it's going to hit the snow, and it's going to, uh, that's it. <laughs> the fire's not going to go anywhere with 10 feet of snow next to a tree. All right? Summertime, there isn't no snow. and You've got high winds, and it's hot, and it's dry. So there's no moisture in the trees. There's no moisture in the ground. There's no moisture anywhere. There's nothing to stop the fire. So, of course, more fires happen in the summertime. Actually, they happen in the fall when the winds whip up and when the forests are their most dry. October is like fire season in California and for obvious reasons. It's the driest part of the year. It's the hottest. It's not quite the hottest, but it's certainly close to it. And it's the windiest. Well, that's what happens with fires, right? Is it climate change? No. Do you think a fire, you know, at a quarter of a degree, you know, if, if the global temperature has risen a quarter of a degree, do you think that's going to cause more fires than a quarter less degree? No, as far as the fire is concerned, it's irrelevant. Fires burn at hundreds of degrees Fahrenheit, hundreds, hundreds, maybe even thousands. I'm not sure how hot fires burn. I don't want to find out. Point is, the difference that climate change makes in terms or real climate change, whatever rise there has been, and there has been almost nothing, I think, in the last 20 years, a little bit before that. The hottest period was still the 1930s. I find it interesting that Hitler, Stalin, and Mao all rose to power in the 1930s during the hottest time. That's interesting. That's worth studying. So leftist dictatorships actually come about during warmer climates. That's not a reason to keep the climate cool because you really can't control it. I just find that an interesting fact. All right. Back to the article. Summer wildfires are common in Greece, and scientists have uh, linked the increasing frequency and intensity of extreme weather events, including heat waves, to climate change. Okay. That is a lie. So I'm going to be a fact chucker and chuck that fact out. That is a lie, what they just said. Here's another one. Stefan Durr, D-O-E-R-R, Stefan Durr who directs the Center for Wildlife Research at Swansea University, Air Swansea, British should probably pronounce it this way, says that more flammable landscape due to hot weather or poor vegetation management, oh, oh wait a minute, poor vegetation management, like leaving dry trees and, and grass under power lines in Maui, that kind of poor vegetation management, is that what you're talking about? Hmm? Anyway, it says poor vegetation management mean that arson and other incidents can more easily turn into fast-moving wildfires. Arson. Is arson a direct result of climate change? Do people set more fires when they think that the weather is warming up and getting too hot? You would think that a fire would be the opposite thing somebody who believes in climate change would do so that the climate doesn't get hotter, knowing full well that the heat from that fire has to go somewhere. It's going to warm the planet. <laughs> you, know, you would think that the environmental wackos would be against forest fires. But not if it proves the point. So this is the Reichstag fire. So all these wildfires, we should start calling them Reichstag fires. The Reichstag fires were when Hitler and the brown shirts burned the Reichstag, which is the German par parliament, and blamed it on Jews. That's what they did. Blamed it on Jews. You know, Jews and climate change have a lot in common, apparently. So the, the, light, the, the German, the Nazis, not the Germans, is a big difference. So the Nazis burned down their, their own parliament uh, so they could make it, make it look like, or try to make it look like the Jews burned down the German parliament so they could then, you know, start the Holocaust. It's interesting logic and, and totally disgusting, but uh, that was the, that was how they, that's how they thought. I mean, how the climate change people think they think it's okay to kill hundreds, possibly thousands of people, destroy millions of acres of forest land simply to prove that in the summertime, that warmer temperatures create fires. We already know that. 
the more forest fires in the summer than the wintertime. We know that <laughs> for obvious reasons. Like I say, snow, you know, in the colder places is, is going to stop forest fires from going anywhere, <laughs> you know, because fires can't burn snow. They can melt it. They ain't going very far, <laughs> you know. And the same reason, frozen ground, I don't think uh, transfers fires very, very well either, but hot ground, you know, you get fire in the roots and off it goes. So there's a bunch of nonsense. Stefan Doerr, who directs the Center for Wildlife Research at Swansea University, says that more flammable landscapes due to hot weather or poor vegetation management mean that arson and other incidents can more easily turn into fast-moving wildfires. What an amazing observation. He says, Greek fires rage after, oh, these are different stories. Greek fires rage after migrant tragedy near border. Huh? I wonder how many fires are set by illegal aliens. That'd be interesting to find out. Hired by environmental wacko groups. Oh, speaking of which, I was watching the, the news yesterday. And this illegal alien, who actually got to speak in New York, which is a crime in itself, because illegal aliens can't be here. But uh, this illegal alien speaking in New York said, I'm here. I need a job. You have to respect and honor me. I'm here. You, have, you, know, you can't just ignore me. Oh, yeah, I can. I can send you home, pal. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. And you have no rights here. You have no, ability, you have no reason to be here. So go home. So the idea that uh, these people are going to get work permits, that's insane. I mean, the, the entire Congress should immediately, we'll see what they do when they come back. I'm really curious to see next week after Labor Day. Let's see what happens when Congress comes back. Are they going to cut all funding to the Brandon insurrection? Are they going to cut all funding to his uh, education program? Uh, are they going to cut funding to anything? Or are they going to be geldings? It's going to be interesting to find out. Back to the article. Police and Greek Intelligence Service, EYP, are investigating the incidents, AFP reported. AFP, EYP, <coughs> too many acronyms. Government spokesperson Pavlos Marinakis told Greek public broadcaster ERT, wait a minute, so the EYP is working with the AFP to report by the ERT. This is getting confusing. That 140 wildfire-related incidents, 79 were related to arson. Well, that's over half. That's crazy. Well, seven, yeah, well it, I mean, it's just over half, but it's still over half. 140 wildfire-related arrests. 79 were related to arson. Wait a minute. It doesn't say 140 wildfires. This is related arrests. So what, other, what are the other people? 140 wildfire arrests? What were the other people arrested for? 79 related to arson. Oh, now I'm curious. Hundreds of firefighters across Greece have been battling deadly wildfires. The large, Well, what you should do is, as any of those firefighters die, you, you uh, accuse the environmental wackos of murder, because that's what they did. Arson is pretty stiff crime anyway, too. This is the large fire front which erupted on Saturday near the port city of Alexandropoulos has become the EU, that's the European Union, largest uh, on record, uh, according to European Commissioner Janez Lenarcik, L-E-N-A-R-C-I-C. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, on Mount Parintha near Athens, fires have been raging in a forest adjoining the capital, threatening a national park. Earlier this week, the bodies of 19 people believed to be migrants with children among them were found near the Evros region of northeastern Greece. All right, all you migrants that are coming into all these European countries illegally, stay home. Just don't come in. Stop that. <laughs> Who do you think you are? And these, these countries in Europe that are letting all these people in, what's your problem? Stop doing that. Oh, wow. All right, so that's basically the story. So we'll see what happens. Mr. Kikilias, there we go, said on Wednesday the country was going through the worst summer since fire risk maps were introduced in 2009. Well, that's not that long ago. I mean, how, much, how long has Greece been in existence? 
what, a few thousand years? <laughs> and they're only keeping fire records since 2009? That's not a pattern. <laughs> That's not even a re- representative sample. Anyway, it says just last month, thousands of people were forced to flee fires on the Greek island of Rhodes after wildfires broke out and there were other parts of the country. Yeah, well, Rhodes is a big island. What else we got here before Laurie gets here? Uh, the Vigilant Fox, one of my uh, favorite uh, authors, uh, has a thing in Substack. Tucker Carlson makes a chilling prediction on how the Democrats will try to steal the 2024 election. Well, we all know they're going to do it. <laughs> That's why you need to have your I Am Spartacus moment. We already talked about that. This is The Vigilant Fox, uh, August 30th. Uh, subheading, once you start uh, indicting your political opponents, you know that you have to win or else they're going to indict you. Yeah. Once you start indicting your political opponents, hear that, Democrats? You know that you have to win or else they are going to indict you. Uh, or worse, <laughs> you know, arrest them, throw them in jail. Well, they should, you know, let's see what happens. Political commentator Tucker Carlson has issued a grim prediction about the future of American politics and foreign policy. During a recent interview with the comedian Adam Carolla, oh, that should have been interesting. I have to look that up. Carlson said the Democrats are well positioned to clinch victory in the 2024 elections, 2024 elections, uh, through a series of underhanded and desperate tactics. His warning came amid claims that the Biden insurrection, my words, has lost its handle on the economy and governance, in other words, governing, emphasizing that the Democrats may resort to extreme measures to stay in power. While they certainly resort to extreme measures to get power, it's still the election. My words. Carlson argued that the majority of voters will soon realize the incompetence of the Biden insurrection. Let's talk correctly now, folks. He asserted that lies are inherently unsustainable. We can hope. And it will eventually be revealed that the Biden insurrection lies are so big and so obvious and so stupid before the next election. So I want to remind everybody again, make your declarations. I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. Back to the article. Carson also warned about the slippery slope of criminalizing political activity. He suggested that once politicians begin indicting their opponents, Trump, they set a Trump in parentheses, they set a precedent that they themselves could be subject to. As a result, Carlson claimed that Democrats can't lose or else they're going to be indicted themselves. Therefore, they will do anything to win. Yeah, I think what's going to happen, uh, Trump already said this too, that he'll be firing anybody that uh, caused anybody grief, especially you talked about firing uh, all the ATF people, all the folks that were um, creating regulations that were completely illegal under the Second Amendment, which is probably all of them. They're all going to get fired. I mean, they have to be. You know, in fact, Trump needs to fire probably two-thirds of the federal government. Well, out of four million people, that would be a million, what, a million and a half? Maybe not quite. 1.2 million need to go? (laughs) You know, actually over half. I would, I would say, I would say, of the four million, you probably need to get two or three million out. Get rid of them. So the best thing Trump can do is have massive uh, amounts of uh, of firings and arrests and jailings of people for all kinds of misconduct and illegal activity. Pretty much everything they did. Any, in fact, anybody that supported the coup, anybody that's a policymaker that knew the coup happened, you know, is, is, is part of the conspiracy and should all be thrown in jail. So that means thousands of people. It's going to be interesting. Um, Finally, people are catching on to uh, Vivek Obama Swampy. <laughs> That's what I call him. I was watching Emerald Robinson yesterday, and she had, uh, she had Chris Clark, who uh, does the, uh, the big rallies. And he was reporting on stuff we reported on last month. So, yeah, you know, I, like, you know, I, I talk about not being first, but uh, sometimes you can't help it. This <laughs> is so by accident. We reported Obama Swampy. I was not first. I was second to report it. The first person was J.D. Rucker. 
uh, and his American Patriot, uh, or I think that's what it's called, and uh, he said, there's something wrong with Obama Swampy. And I had felt that, but I hadn't really said it or looked into it. And so I started looking into it, and then I came up with my own problems with Obama Swampy. And now I think he's a total uh, deep state operative. So, uh, yeah. That's all I wanted to play. All right, let me take a little break, and we'll see if we get Laurie here. And so time is it now? 8.54. She should be joining us in just a little bit. And uh, this has been fun. Otherwise, I'll just have more stories. Or maybe I'll play an interview because I don't want to talk for another hour. <laughs> it's a long time. Try, try it sometimes. It's not easy. It's not as easy as you think. All right. Be back in a bit. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments, and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. So you want to help us out? This is how you do it. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. 
at Action Radio. We don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So while we're waiting for Laurie, there's a couple of things to go over. One, it's getting cooler. It's really nice to have the uh, days uh, a little bit shorter. So we have, I guess, maybe an hour, an hour and a half uh, less daylight than we had before. And so I think the high today, I don't even know if it's going to break 90 today. This is great, you know, because for the last, it's been a really hot summer. It's a long, hot summer. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Anyway, so remember Bananarama, Long Cruel Summer? <laughs> I don't know why that gave me mind. I just did. I shouldn't sing girl songs. Um, but anyway. So it's been it's really hot now. We had a gorgeous spring. We had one of the best springs we've ever had here. It was cool. It was wonderful. We had our bands on the Blackwater concerts down there by uh, Jernigan's Landing here on the Blackwater River here in Milton, Florida, on the Gulf Coast, you know, near uh, Pensacola, you know, under Alabama. I should say near Pensacola, under Alabama. <laughs> it's kind of where we are uh, with the rest of Florida to, uh, to the right, <laughs> you know, so way up in the top left corner. Uh, but uh, yeah, and because uh, we get winters here too, we get snow here occasionally. It's really interesting, you know. The the uh, the, the the middle of the country, there's like no bear because it's flat in the middle. So anything that goes east of the Rockies, you know, from from Alaska, from way up north, North Pole, comes whooping down through the country, and it gets cold up there. Obviously, excuse me, obviously Michigan and uh, Wisconsin get it. Uh, middle of the country gets it, Missouri gets it, but we get it down here too. You know, it just keeps going. It's not quite as bad. As like Edmonton, you know Canada, but it's still, still you know you see snow on it. My first year in Florida, we saw snow on the ground. It was kind of interesting. Anyway, so the weather's changing. It's getting cooler. Time to do more things. You know the the fiscal year starts. The uh, uh, the the year really starts. The school year starts. Pretty much everything. You know January first is is when things actually slow down. You know, coming into holiday season, this is one of the best times of the year. It's the fall. It's cooling down a little bit. The leaves are changing. You know, it's renewal time. It's time to get busy. You know, time for our Congress to get back in session and remove the Brandon insurrection and throw them all in jail. It's time for things to happen, you know, so we'll see what's going on. But um, this is a time definitely for activism, time for us. I'm working on a bill uh, this weekend on the, the uh, I don't want to have a call exactly, the, uh, the, the preemptive uh, um, compliance uh, re- or the compliance reimbursement cost bill. So in other words, when the government wants to investigate somebody, Trump or anybody for that matter, gun stores, you know, they have to pay the cost of that investment up front to the people who they're investigating uh, as a compliance cost. And I, I don't know where I'm going to find this in law. I'll look up a federal, I'll look up, um, let me start right now. This might be kind of interesting. Um, sort of give me like a little preview um, before Laurie gets here. And so let me just see right now. New window. Let's go. U.S. code. U.S. code. Let's go look up federal investigations. Federal. I mean, this is literally how you do it. This is how you write a bill. Fed, F-E-D-R-A-L, investigation of citizens. Let's see what comes up. U.S. code. Yeah, see, this isn't so hard to write bills. I've developed a really easy system, actually. U.S. code, Title 18, U.S. code 115, Legal Information Institute. Uh, what? Whoop, keep knocking my water bottle. 
U.S. Code 1038, false information hoaxes, security clearances, conspiracy against rights, 241, that's my favorite one, conspiracy to interfere with civil rights. Ooh, I got to look up that one. That one looks interesting, too. Title, oh, that's Title 42. Let's, um, let's, let's, see what, uh, uh, let's see what Title... Uh, okay, so here we go. So Title 18, Code uh, Section 115, influencing, impeding, or retaliating against a federal official by threatening or injuring a family member. Okay, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. Obviously, I'm looking in Title 18, so let's look up and see what Title 18 has. Crimes, criminal procedure, prisons and prisoners, correction of youthful offenders, immunity of witnesses. Let's look up criminal procedure. General provisions, arrest and commitment. Searches and seizures. Oh, let's look up that and see what that says. Effective rules of court, authority to issue warrant, grounds for searching. Uh, what about investigations? Let me see. Execute. I might have to add a new section. <laughs> let's put it. Let's put uh, grants for issuing authority to issue a search warrant. Let's see that. See what that says. Gives me a bunch of other citations. That's not going to help. Additional grounds for issuing a warrant. A warrant may be issued to search for and seize any property that constitutes evidence of a criminal offense in violation of the laws of the United States. Well, that's interesting. Delay. With respect to the issuance of any warrant or court order under this section or any other rule of law to search for and seize any property or material that constitutes evidence of a criminal offense in violation of the laws of the United States, any notice required or that may be required to be given may be delayed if, okay, uh, extensions of delay reports. What else do we have? Reports. I need to, this. I think I'm in the right section. You know, what I need to do is add a section that says, uh, probably add it onto this part here. Code Chapter 205, Searches and Seizures. This might be the right place. And I'm going to add a section, another section 3119, because the last one here is 3118. I'll add another section 3119, uh, reimbursement, a pre-reimbursement of compliance costs so that innocent, so people are, are actually innocent until proven guilty. So in other words, you're, you're not a victim of a federal investigation, even if they find nothing. That's what I'm trying to do. This might be the right section. I'm going to keep this. I think, uh, I think I'm definitely onto something here. Well, tracking devices, inventory, implied consent for certain tests, property defined. Well, let's see what they can define as property. <laughs> Breaking doors or windows for entry or exit. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. Property, uh, property defined. What's, what's property? Oh, they're sending me all these different places. Huh. All right. Let me go back where I was. I kind of like that. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. That's going to be interesting. I think it will be. Anyway, so we've got, um, we've got a new year coming up. We've got a new Congress coming up. We've got um, potentially all kinds of investigations coming up. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. It could be very interesting uh, to see what's going on. Let me just uh, play you something here real quick. And I want to check out Laurie and see what's, what's happening here. Otherwise, I might have to play something else that, that interests me for the last little bit. Or if Pianchi wants to call in and, and sort of we can go over the news that way too. But I, I'm hoping he'll call him with Laurie anyway because they're buds. So let's see what I can play for you. In the meantime, something on Milton, my hometown. So let me just find you my promotional thing here and back in a little bit. This is Greg Penglis, creator of Action Radio for my town, Milton, Florida. Milton, it's where I live. It's where you can live too. It's where you can bring a new business, especially a business that helps our downtown historic district. We have everything in Milton. We have the Blackwater River. We have the Imogene Theater, built in 1912 and still booking national acts. 
We have Scoop's Ice Cream. We have Boomerang's Restaurant, where I get my favorite Thai chicken pizza. We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. So if you're tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere, if you want a small city that has incredible potential, that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. Yeah, this is when I left some extra music, so that, uh, anything I want to talk to you about in town. Uh, we've got a local antique place, Blackwater Trail Antiques, is having their, their 10th anniversary. That's kind of cool. Uh, this is really like a small town. And I've never, it's been a long time since I lived in a small town. Lexington, Massachusetts, when I got there, was a small town. Then they got to be a big as everybody moved in and brought with them money and banks and, you know, drugstores. <laughs> money banks and drugstores. That's kind of what happened. And uh, they priced all, all the middle class out of Lexington. Now it's for rich people. You know, just outside Boston. Um, but uh, Milton, Florida is is, a, is an amazing place. I love it here. I really do. Um, don't know if I'll be here forever, but who knows what forever is. You know, but uh, right now, um, there's some there's amazing possibility here. We're getting some new businesses. You know, we've got to the new Sweet Greek Bakery. We've got Boomerangs is uh, doing the, the, the pizza thing. We've got uh, Scoops Ice Cream, again, has moved. You know, just all these local places. We need more. We even have a, a country gym. I know it's a franchise, but uh, that's kind of a new place here, too. A lot of entertainment. Um, you know, great wine liquor store, you know, so it's just a, it's a, it's a fun kind of place. And it's interesting living in a place, you know, it's like cheers where everybody knows your name. Well, they know my name. <laughs> a lot of people know my name, <laughs> yeah, but that may be good or bad. I haven't quite decided yet, but uh, they certainly do. All right. Let's, uh, let me go delve into the articles. You know, in case I have something I need to talk about and these are good stuff. I'm not, I always have, you know, spare stories. And this is what I found. It's about Independence Day. It's about July 4th. But I think it's just as uh, critical today to understand uh, where we are now. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that Americans were willing to fight in 1776 against a foreign invading power. But Americans today, today are not willing to fight against their own government being taken over illegally. That is staggering to me. Um, and so uh, we're not the Americans we used to be. We're not the Americans that uh, fought World War II. Now, World War I is a different story. We never should have been there. We could have easily just... Uh, you know, defended our half of the Atlantic from U-boats, and Britain could have defended their half of the Atlantic and sent the convoys through. That would have been enough. Not a problem with that. But as far as, you know, sending troops in, no. Europeans for centuries have killed each other and gone home. And that's what happened, uh, you know, let's say every, every couple of generations, Europeans decide to kill off an entire generation of young men. That's what they do. And they've been doing it for centuries. You know, you look at the history of, of England, France, Spain, Germany, and Russia. It's wars, going back to, to uh, the Crusades. Well, you can bring in the Middle East and that. You know, thousands of years, they've been all killing each other every, every so often. They, they have a war, okay? World War I was no different. Well, the difference was they had uh, artillery, poison gas, uh, machine guns, and barbed wire instead of cavalry charges with sabers. They're still killing each other. 
They just killed each other in, in much greater numbers. But there's no reason for us to have been there. And because of World War I, uh, that caused the, the rise of the, the communists and the fascists and the socialists in World War II. But the generation that fought World War II is not the generation of today. The generation of World War II would never stand for the government being taken over by an illegal administration. Never. And yet they do today. So if you can't claim independence if you're not going to stand for your independence. And the way you stand for your independence now, uh, the most direct way is what I do. Uh, or what I've been, what I talked about in my article. You know, make a declaration on your social media. I am Spartacus. The 2020 election was stolen. Brandon is not the president. That's how you declare your independence. And the consequences are what the consequences are. The coup is going to have to do something about that. But if enough people start saying that, it's going to be hard to prosecute Trump for what millions of other people are saying. But it takes millions of other people to say it. Maybe it takes thousands of other people to say it. I don't know. It takes a lot of other people to say it. So get busy. If you're not willing to get off your butt and make a statement on Facebook or social media that uh, the election was stolen, then uh, the coup is going to be allowed to stay there. It won't be on my head. I, I did everything I could against it. It'll be on yours. So do something. Like I say, it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Article by Thomas Cranawitter, July 4th, 2023. It's only a couple of months old. This Independence Day. He says, this Independence Day, we recall how strangely beautiful the American founding was. It remains the first of its kind, often imitated, never fully replicated. The American founding announced to the world by a declaration of independence that appealed to the opinions of mankind was a unique blending of political elements, some ancient, some modern. Traditions mattered, and so did timeless, abstract ideas. The Americans understood their own revolution in mostly modern terms. Unlike Aristotle, who taught revolution as the unending cycle of regimes continuously transforming from one kind to another, the Americans described their revolution as an overturning of an unjust political order. Something we need today, by the way. Hopefully, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if uh, America today have the gumption to do what needs to be done. You know, peacefully. I'm not, I'm not talking about any violence here. I'm just talking about peacefully screaming and yelling. It's, it's time for Brandon to get out of the White House. He's, he should never should have been there. It's an illegal administration. All those folks need to be thrown in jail. All the people that let them need to be thrown in jail for conspiracy, aiding and abetting. So every Republican that helped or didn't stop them, every uh, Democrat that helped or didn't stop them, you know, is guilty of uh, aiding and abetting. Especially they kept quiet about it and they know about it. That's how it works. <sighs> Back to the article. So talking about the Founding Fathers, they had the audacious goal of creating a novus ordo seclorum. You, you put in Latin on me? And that's a new order of the ages. Thank you. Something undreamt of by classical thinkers. The American founding featured other modern concepts, institutions, and principles, such as the Enlightenment idea that every human being possesses universal, equal, individual, natural rights because they are inherent to human nature. There were no natural right regimes in the ancient world. Americans rejected old practices such as divine right monarchy, papism, that would be the Pope, folks, religious persecution, theocracy in all forms. They disestablished their churches. In America, a citizen's civil rights would not depend on a confession of a sectarian faith, as Jefferson explained in his Virginia Statute of Religious Liberty. They helped others understand that any government lacking the consent of the governed is illegitimate. Sound familiar? Yeah, my words. They adopted a written constitution authorized by the people that clearly grants, defines, and limits government power with a view that only 
that the only proper purpose of government is to protect the individual rights of citizens and nothing more. I would go further. Uh, I believe in life, liberty, and property. So that would be the government is only allowed to and must protect individual rights, life, and property. Life, liberty, and property. That's, that's what it's all about. Anything beyond that is tyranny. Anything less than that is anarchy. Look at my chart. I post it every day on the show, the, the, the chart where we define liberty. We actually graph it in terms of freedom uh, and government uh, tyranny and anarchy. I'll post it again today. Article says they reserve for themselves a large realm of individual privacy in which each citizen is free to pursue happiness, use his own property, and run his own business, worship God as, you know, and if he chooses, raise and educate his own children, employ his labor as he sees best, and keep what he produces and earns, trade with others who want to trade, and speak openly, all without government interference. This was modernity at its best. The American founding also borrowed from the old and traditional. Immediately following a modern revolution, America experienced a founding that was classical in character, complete with law-giving founders, something common in the ancient world. The Americans were not like the French, whose revolution devoured itself and required Napoleon's heavy hand to stop. You guys remember the term, Robespierre, the guillotine? Yeah. Fraternity, Egalité, Liberté. Not exactly. (laughs) Anyway, article says, according to the Declaration of Independence, when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, that's us folks, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. The Americans showed the world how to do both, throw off a bad government, and provide new guards for their rights. We need to do that again. We have a bad, illegal government. Every bit as bad and every bit as illegal as George III back in the 1700s. The difference is that Americans then threw it off and were willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to do so. Americans today are finding ways to excuse it, to uh, just, just go along and get along, to make money on it to cash in on the stimulus, to cash in on the COVID regulations, to cash in on the power. Give me some. It's okay. If you give me some, I won't object. So, so Americans have been bought off completely. They've bought into climate change, which is total nonsense. They've bought into green energy, which is no energy. There's nothing wrong with organic fuels. Oil, coal, natural gas were put in the ground for us to burn, to run our society, to keep people hot or cool, as necessary to move things around, uh, to fertilize the plants, to create plastic, and to put carbon back in the air so the plants can breathe. I was just watching uh, Dr. Patrick Moore yesterday, um, and there's another thing with uh, Jordan uh, Peterson of Canada, my hometown, Toronto. And they were talking about uh, the fact that the, the glacier, the last uh, ice age, captured so much carbon dioxide from the air that we were dangerously close to losing all life on Earth because carbon dioxide was only 180 parts per million. And as Gregory Wrightson and other people have, uh, have said very specifically, when carbon dioxide gets to 150 parts per million, it's over. So we're 30 parts per million, which is nothing. 30 parts per million? It's nothing away from extermination of life on, on the planet back in the 1800s. Well, what saved us? Well, I believe God intervened. And we discovered oil. <laughs> you know, and we created the internal combustion engine. I don't think any of this is an accident. 
So you, you look at it. Why, why in the one period in human history when we were almost exterminated, the, exterminating the planet because we didn't have enough carbon dioxide and the plants were all about to die, that we find this, uh, this wonderful source, petroleum. You know, by the way, that saved the whales. When we, when we started burning petroleum, we stopped killing whales for whale oil. So we saved the whales in the process. And then we had to work on it again with the Russians, Japanese, and Norwegians that were still killing whales for no reason. But uh, we're still dealing with that. But we weren't killing whales for oil. We didn't need it. We had petroleum. We had coal. Once we learned how to use natural gas, we used that too. And eventually we discovered uranium. Oh boy, nuclear power. Now it's getting interesting. All right? But the burning of the organic fuels. Now you notice I haven't said the word fossil fuels because there's no such thing as a fossil fuel. These aren't fossils. This is organic material. Plants and animals, mostly plants, mostly algae, mud, and other organic compounds pressed together with heat and pressure until they become petroleum, hydrocarbons, hydrocarbons that we burn. Hydrocarbons that are mixed in an internal combustion engine with oxygen. Hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen mix in the internal combustion engine. Oxygen burns, burns the hydrocarbons, creating power. Out the tailpipe comes water and carbon dioxide and some other noxious stuff too. That's why we have catalytic converters, but water and carbon dioxide. Well, the water, water vapor, that's not a problem. Carbon dioxide, that's not a problem either. In fact, it's critical. So because we have the internal combustion engine and the steam engine, we burned wood, coal, oil, and natural gas. We released carbon that had been locked up in the plants, locked up in the earth, locked up, you know, I don't know how many feet below ground. It was locked up. A lot of carbon is locked up in the ocean. It was certainly locked up in the ice age. Well, we put the carbon back in the air where it belongs. Carbon dioxide is less than uh, half a percent of all the air up there. That's not much for the plants to breathe. So we actually saved the planet with the Industrial Revolution. Now, there's a lot of pollution, and that was a problem. I'm not dismissing that. Now, we got clean air. But the thing is, we did release carbon, which was essential for our life. Now, I don't know what the, the carbon, I don't know what it is now. It's like maybe uh, two to 400 parts per million. So we're a little safer, but we're not completely safe. I think during the dinosaurs, it was about 4,000 parts per million. Back when Greenland was green. <laughs> Everybody worries about the ice age. Everybody worries, oh, we've got to keep the, the glaciers in Iceland. Why? Green, I mean, on Greenland. I mean, Greenland used to be green when the Norwegians were there. You know, thousand, two thousand years ago when the Vikings were like, yeah, we think we forgot to found the place, get the herring, we go to the Greenland. Yeah, it's green. We, they, we name it the Greenland because it's green. So that's what they did. The Vikings named Greenland Greenland because it was green. Why was it green? Well, the earth was warmer, obviously. So what's the problem? <laughs> you know, carbon dioxide's a good thing. Anyway, so these wackos that are trying to change everything, you know, that are, that are taking our government and these bizarre, you know, pseudo-scientific nonsense masks. Oh, give me a break. Take a COVID shot? No, I have an immune system. I don't need one. Thank you very much. So I get COVID. I've had it. Got over it in a couple of days. Okay. Now I'm done. Next. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I've been sick since. No, nah, I was in a restaurant a while back. Dude, that didn't do so well, but that's, that's a different story. I do better with my own cooking and food. You probably do too. I'm, I'm just sort of rambling here because it's just me. I had a great time talking. So I hope this is a, a entertaining and educational to all of you. Let's get back to the article. The pseudonym used by the authors of The Federalist, Publius, harkens readers back to classical Roman republicanism. I have to study the Roman Republic. You know, that, that gives me an idea. Study the Roman Republic. Uh, I'll probably have the, uh, the, the readings of Cicero uh, and other folks. Oh, there's, uh, there's Laurie on my live chat. Laurie, call in. We're waiting for you. Study the Roman Republic. 
Now, that's not Plato's Republic. Plato's Republic was something entirely different. Plato's Republic was a technocracy. He believed in the rule of the good, the rule of the expert, the rule of the, uh, um, those folks. I don't want technocrats. I don't want te- – technocrat is, is, is basically a, a technology bureaucrat. Those are the worst people who run society. You know, the, the, uh, the, the health folks, the, uh, the, the fascist combination of um, big tech, big government, big medicine, big health, and uh, any of the bigs out, the big pharma. Tech experts. We're going to destroy this country. That's common sense, folks. You know, those folks without a medical degree realize that chloroquine and or later hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, and uh, zinc uh, were the cures for COVID. We knew it. No problem. <laughs> you know, and uh, so we did fine. Okay, so it looks like Lori's going to join us in a little bit. Let me get through this article then. Uh, that'll be kind of cool. <sighs> Where was I? I completely lost my place now. I think think I've moved where I was. Ah, here we go. When Thomas Jefferson sat to pen the Declaration of Independence, he borrowed much from Virginia's Declaration of Rights. I'll have to read that too. Written a month earlier by George Mason. Yeah, another great founder. Not only do the... I'm not a big Alexander Hamilton fan, because, yeah, I didn't want him shot by Aaron Burr, but... Quite frankly, Alexander Hamilton is responsible for a lot of the things in the Constitution that make it too authoritarian. I'm a more of an Articles of Confederation kind of guy, being a, an anti-federalist, but we'll talk more about that later. I want to study the Roman Republic now. I'm kind of curious. Cicero, Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> Let's get some uh, good quotes out here. Anyway, he said, back to George Mason. Not only do the two documents contain similar language, the political conclusions in each are nearly identical. So now I have to read Virginia's Declaration of Rights. The unalienable, and it's always un, not in, un unalienable rights. Get that UN, unalienable rights, that formed the major premise of the Declaration of Independence, described as inherent rights in Virginia's Declaration of Rights, are emphatically negative rights. Well, I wouldn't, I don't like that term negative. It implies, negative implies something bad, and it's not that, it's not, I'll, I'll think of a better word, but we'll call it negative because the article does. It said a person's natural rights are rightful claims to whatever a person rightfully owns by nature, including his own life, liberty, property. So those three words again, right? And the freedom to speak, think, uh, be productive, and pursue happiness. Also the right to worship. I'll put that in there too. Natural rights are inseparable from human nature for the simple reason that no human being anywhere has any rightful claim to the lives, liberties, or properties of other human beings. They are negative in the sense that a person shouldn't take what belongs to person B, person A shouldn't take what belongs to person B, and vice versa. So I don't think negative rights is the right thing. They're individual rights as opposed to collective rights. That's a better way to put it than negative and positive. A positive right tells you what you can have. A negative right tells you what the government can't take away. It's a critical difference, and you really need to understand that. This is why the Declaration of Human Rights by the UN is so dangerous, because it's collective rights. It doesn't talk about individual rights. It talks about the rights of all humans as a collective group. Well, if that's the case, then somebody from Madagascar has a right to my house, because we're all collectively human, and we're all people. Let's say, well, you have to let illegal aliens in because they're people. Well, no one's disputing that they're people. <laughs> what we're disputing is they can't come here legally. <laughs> That's a big difference, right? You know, so, people, so the left makes stupid arguments, and they expect, you, they, they expect you to knuckle under. I've had this argument on the air. Uh, what was I talking to recently? I was talking to somebody recently. Well, they're people. Oh, yeah, of course they're people. So what? We're not talking about that, the, the fact that they're people. Everybody, every human being on the world is a people. <laughs> it doesn't mean they can come here. Anyway. Article says, here's where the need for classical style virtue enters. If the American regime recognizes that no one has any rightful claim to what belongs to others, 
then the only way Americans will thrive as fellow citizens is by being self-reliant, self-assertive, self-governing, and responsible for their own well-being and the well-being of those they love. I agree. Now, when I have Bianca von Kriegon, who is the uh, trans socialist, progressive, caucus, Democrat, activist, um, politician running for office from uh, San Francisco, and, we, and she talks about, she, she anyway, talks about um, universal income, universal basic income, and that uh, food and shelter are human rights. That doesn't fly to me because we don't, human rights, that's the UN. You know, and we're not talking about humans. We're talking about individuals, individual rights. It's a totally different thing. It's a totally different philosophy, completely different. So I'm with the founders. I'm with uh, independence. I'm with natural rights. And the natural right is nobody has the right to something that somebody else has. Therefore, you cannot take from one person and give to someone else because you think they have a right to food. You know, get your own food. Go out and earn it, grow it, kill it. <laughs> you know, find it. But you don't have a right to take it from somebody else. That's why I have, nobody has a right to anything. You know, in, in, in the sense, I've talked about this on the show too, the right that you, ha- that you can speak freely doesn't mean the government gives you a computer so you can speak freely to more people. Get your own computer. Same with guns. Second Amendment doesn't say we have the right to uh, be given guns so that we can keep and bear them. It doesn't say that. That would, that would be what they would call a positive right or what I would call a group right or, or, a, or a given right, you know, rights where you're given things. That's what it says at all. It says that if you have a gun, the government can't touch it. Now, use of guns is something entirely different. That's statutory law. So they're legal and illegal uses of guns. That's why using a gun is never a right because they're legal and illegal uses of a gun. So it can't be a right because rights are absolute. But what is an absolute right is the government cannot touch in any way your right, in other words, your ability to own and carry firearms, period. That's the difference. So if you understand the difference between a right, which stops government, and uses, which are both illegal and legal, then you understand how to use a gun legally. That's your responsibility. It's the government's responsibility to not infringe on your ability in any way to own or carry guns. That's the contract. That's the deal. That's how it works. Back to the article. The entire political logic of constitutional government flows from the idea of negative rights. A government of limited constitutional power is possible only the purpose of government is limited to protecting the natural rights of each citizen. The moment we expand the purpose of government to include taking from some in order to give to others, that, that's Marxism, by the way, the moment we adopt positive rights or entitlements while regulating and controlling virtually every aspect of life for everyone, we replace a government of limited with a government of unlimited power. This is where we are this Independence Day 2023. The United States of America, our politicians either mock or ignore the Constitution because we, as a nation of citizens, have forgotten the natural negative rights enshrined in our own Declaration of Independence and other founding documents. Instead, we've embraced positive rights, which is nothing but a ruse for some fellow citizens taking what was produced and rightfully belonging to others. We've traded our constitutional government of limited powers for a national debt of $32 trillion and growing, coupled with unfunded liabilities that are six times that amount or more. Our options are two. Continue our current path of positive rights, entitlements, and limitless government control over our lives and property until the United States implodes, or we embrace again the natural rights, principles, and virtues that once fueled our fight for independence. The choice is ours. It is a faithful choice we should not make lightly. I've already made my choice. You know my choice. 
embrace natural rights, principles, and virtues that once fueled our fight for independence. <laughs> what do you think Action Radio is all about? It's exactly what Action Radio is all about. That's what we do here. This is what it's all about. You know, and the, and the whole purpose is of this, of our peaceful revolution, you know, is, is we don't get from ballots to bullets. I don't want to go to bullets. I don't, I don't, I don't, we have bills. We change the laws back to what they were supposed to be. We take away the power of the deep state. We take away the power to borrow money from Congress. We've got a constitutional amendment on that. We take away the guns of the government and give them back to we the people. Got a bill on that too. We stop withholding while you're earning your standard deduction. Trust me, we're going to get rid of the, the entire withholding tax. We need to take away a couple of constitutional amendments. The 16th, which was the income tax, which was probably never passed properly. The 17th, which took away the state's rights to uh, appoint their own senators so they had representation in Congress. The Federal Reserve Act. Well, actually, my constitutional amendment does that. You know, so that's where it is. That's where we stand. That's what Action Radio is all about. And one of the things I, I decided uh, a while ago, and I've been thinking about this for about a month or so, I just have to find the place to put it in law, is a bill that reimburses people in advance for the compliance costs of any investigation. So if the government shows up at your Wyoming gun store, like they've done recently, you know, wearing big ATF jackets and scaring the hell out of all the customers, that is an economic impact. Well, they need to reimburse that person for, for that uh, for the, 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 uh, the lost uh, income. They need to reimburse for the cost of any compliance. They need to reimburse for the time spent researching records. They need to, to not reimburse, but they need to reimburse. Not reimburse, but reimburse. They, they need to give ahead of time the cost of the investigation. That's what they need to do. And they're not doing it. They're not doing it at all. Looks like we got Lori. So let's uh, bring her on. A fellow talk show host, the, the lucid libertarian, Laurie Ann Kellert. Hi, Laurie. What's going on? Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you? Happy Friday. Sorry I'm late, but hey, you know. <laughs> That's okay. We'll give you a cheer it anyway. It is what it is. <laughs> so just to put this in perspective, Laurie's on the left coast. You know, she's like a, 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 the right person on the left coast. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to figure that out somehow. The right person but, on the left coast. <laughs> you know, so it's a little really early for her. So, you know, it's one of those, hey, I understand. That's why I try and schedule my, my left coast people in the 9 o'clock hour here because it's at least 7 o'clock there. But uh, it sounds like you've been busy. So what's going on? How's the show going? you got a, a, is it second year anniversary coming up? Yes. Uh, Sunday night is my two-year anniversary show since I started. And. So I'm pretty excited about that. And um, so, yeah, my show is on Sunday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so I'm hoping that anybody uh, that's listening right now, they're free to call in, check out the show. Uh, it's been a pretty awesome last couple of years. Mm. I have not missed a single show in that two years except for wow. one time. And that was recently I had to cancel it because of when blog talk was down for four days. Yeah. Do you know what happened uh, with so that? Was, um, can we talk about that without offending blog talks? <laughs> totally. <laughs> but they, uh, they, they, let's go ahead they, and offend them. Screw them. Okay. Well, they had a good, they, yeah, there we go. So we should, we should actually meet once a month on, on the show and I should call your show at least once a month and, and sort of talk about being talk show hosts. But uh, just to let folks know, we were off for, for two days, Monday and Tuesday, a couple of weeks ago. And they had a system to, 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 to uh, do a, a blog talk show. 
you have to create the show process, and then you have to log in and activate the show. And they had a new process for logging in and activating. So we created, but then we couldn't log in. <laughs> we couldn't do our show. And we're sitting there all looking, you know, all of us are talking to ourselves, what's going on in Talk? We can't do our show. And eventually they apologized. And now the system seems to be working for now. Do you know why they changed it? What was the, what was wrong? The last one seemed to be working fine. What was, what was wrong with that? I have no idea. I think they must have, I can only figure that they did some sort of update. Um, uh-huh. And, and so it was uh, Thursday that it started being uh, down and, or no, it was a Friday. No, I was on. Yeah. It must've been after my show. Cause I, I did my show fine on Friday before I, my, I only lost two days, the Monday and the Tuesday. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was down sometime I think on Friday and cause I know that, uh, Robert, Conservative Nation Radio, he wasn't able to do his show on Friday night. Hmm. And um, I started contacting Blog Talk Support. And, of course, they kept giving me and everybody else the canned answer to troubleshoot, you know, clear news and cash and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's and your I'm problem. like, hey, listen, Not guys, you know, like this isn't <laughs> a computer issue, you know, like yeah. you need to escalate this. Yeah, our computers and, are fine. Um, We're all having the same problem logging in. It can't be all of us. We can't all, all have our caches too full, please. Exactly. All <laughs> simultaneously, like, hello. And I used to work as support. You know, that was my previous job. So it's like, you know, you, you know the signs when, it's a, when there's a systematic issue, when you have multiple hosts, you know, mm-hmm. putting in support requests with the same problem. And, of course, I did screenshots and all that kind of stuff. And then... Uh, so they were, so of course their support isn't around on Sundays, and so Friday and Saturday was just like a you know they they screwed up by wasting time with that, and uh, so finally on Monday then uh, Mandolin finally got a hold of the issue, mm-hmm. and I wrote back and I'm like thank God you finally have this, you know, it's in your hands. You know, it's like, she's like the only person. At she's the only one. Yes. That's, that's my go-to person. I, I thought it was Man. Yeah. I thought it was Mandy Lynn, but it's mandolin. I'm, I've never talked to her. Yeah, Mandy Lynn, man, mandolin. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. How mandolin sounds like motto. an instrument. <laughs> I, I play the mandolin. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mandolin. Well, maybe she is an instrument. She's the only well, working instrument with, with she, you know, been there for a while. So, so Mandy Lynn, if you're listening, this is to your credit, okay? Because we really appreciate you. But she's the only one that talks to us, like like we're people. You know, everybody else gets the camera. Yeah, exactly. Spot. Yeah. So she's here's like, some. Oh yeah, should... you know, we're escalating this and la la la, and yeah. I'm like, thank God. And then so finally Tuesday, uh, everything came back up and running again. And mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so and I was pretty mad. I was like, you know, for the first time ever since I started my show, I'm having, you know, I had to cancel my show. Because there was no point having it, you know, everybody, well, there was no show. you know, you <laughs> could be talking, yeah. but yeah. everybody that called in got the whole mm-hmm. music, like the system just did not recognize that you were starting your show. And so, of course, there was no recordings of any shows and confusion. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, you know, there's no point. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't very happy about that. Yeah. Uh, so well, least, I mean, after, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. At least they finally got it resolved. And since then, it seems to be working okay. I think they have a couple of glitches with their Direct Connect still. 
not sure mm-hmm. if it's been fixed yet. Um, like um, they people calling in with Direct Connect that would press one, it wasn't actually raising their hand in the queue. Oh, okay. um, you know, to let me know, you know, let the host know that, hey, yeah, I want to talk now instead of just, you know, kick back and listen. See, most people don't uh, know the, the, the call in, but I don't get a lot of calls. Most of my listeners are podcasts. Uh, so I don't uh, get a lot of interaction. I get more interaction um, from new people on live. We have this guy, Marco, who's texting us all the time from the Netherlands, which is kind of cool. So I get European news, you know, directly <laughs> and, and uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's really it's it's an interesting uh, thing. But that's where that's probably our fastest growth right now is Netherlands listeners, probably because of Marco. So it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of things I've always wanted from Blog Talk, and I've been emailing this for years. They may be starting to listen. Uh, and the first thing I want, uh, do, you, do you do production stuff like Adobe Audition or, or the other one? Um, there's like a free one. No, I don't. Uh-uh. Okay. If you, if you do any audio production or if you go to any radio studio, they have decibel meters or dB meters. So you know when you're sending out a signal. And I've been trying to get, um, for about four years now, actually most of the time I've been on Blog Talk, decibel meters on the studio screen. So they can put them up uh, on that little band above where it says on air, or they can put them on the left side or the right side. But if they had a couple of meters or even um, uh, under the, uh, they could put them under the, uh, uh, the live chat section, but they need to put them somewhere or even on the far, far right of the screen, you know, to the right of our audio clips. But they need to have uh, a dB meter so that we know, and you don't need to, we, we do a mono signal, but we need to know when we're broadcasting because the signal can just cut out and you can be talking for a long time until somebody says, hey, we can't hear you. What? What do you mean? You know, lost precious words. So DB meters. So if you're talking to other hosts, we should have a yeah, decibel like, meter. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. like I think all of us have, uh, have run into the fact when we have ourselves muted and we don't realize it and we're talking and there's nothing yeah. but dead air. <laughs> And we well, don't it's know not, it until somebody in the ourselves. chat says, hey. No, it's not reading ourselves. The signal just cuts. I've had the signal just cut out. Usually it means my mic cord. Now, I only get about six months out of a mic cord because I, I do have to take them out of the computer and put them in. I can't leave my mic on, you know, 24-7. It'd burn out. So I have to take the mic cord out. So my mic cords only last sure. about six months. So, but I know that because when I get a couple of shows, when I, when I, but the problem is that the show drops and I don't know it. And I'm talking to the guests. Well, what do you think about this? And they don't answer. I, I think they're either uh, being rude or they didn't hear me. <laughs> or they just want to talk. You know? And it's, uh, I've had it happen a few times. And I think they're not rude. They're nice. I remember one guest in particular. It was a really nice guest. And, and all of a sudden, she, you know, she says, are you there? I'm like, oh, no. My signal's been cut. You know? And so, but I never knew it. So if you had a decibel meter and you talk and you don't see that, that green line flipping up into yellow with a red line, you know, if you're, and that'll tell you if you're overmodulating too, if something's too loud. Yeah. If your audio clip's too loud, you'll see it. If your voice is too loud, you'll see it. If you're too close to the mic or shouting, you'll see it uh, maxed out on the dB meter. You're putting out too strong a signal. That would be a huge help to us. Every radio station in the world has that on their production boards, but we don't have it on our, on our studio screen. We need a decibel meter. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I have for some years. things on my wish list too. What do you got? Um, I've put in a suggestion for the audio clip. Uh, to have a player that actually does pause, you know, because it doesn't. You know, it's all or nothing with the with the player. You have to play right. it all. If you mm-hmm. you know, even though the button is a pause button, it's actually a stop button. It, there is yeah. no pause. And it, well, I don't um, really have an issue. And so with I that. put that suggestion in because yeah. I always because yeah. I love you know I play clips, 
and I would love to be able to pause it and comment in between and then restart it again, uh, but it doesn't do that. If you if you hit the pause button, it actually stops, and then there's no uh, starting it back up where you left off. It's uh, you know goes right back to the beginning again. So that is my oh. big my my wish list with blog. Talk well, that'd be interesting. Actually, well, we should that. we should have a blog talk place where we can talk about this kind of stuff. There's another one too um, that we can't reach anybody uh, when we need to. You know, if we have shows on the air, there should be somebody that we could call immediately and say, what's going on? You know, especially the the weekday shows. We should be able to reach somebody at least by email and say, hey, I'm not getting a signal. My show's not on the air. What's going on? You know, and, and instead of waiting. Because yeah. right now you have to As you put in a right comment. As it is right now, you're lucky yeah. if you even get a response back the next, by, you know, the next day. Well, I usually and then, heaven the forbid, day, you have a late. show on Saturday, and they're not yeah. there on Sunday. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I have my show on Sundays, and they're they're not around. So, if there's a problem, you know, you, you yep. deal with it until, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah. get back to you maybe the next day. Yeah. And just to let folks know, I mean, overall, I'm happy with this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And I don't think any any, any other company does exactly what they do where we've got the, the information we get, we get the world map that we get, we get the ability to do audio clips, to take phone calls. I've got my Skype line hooked in so I can take a phone call from anywhere in the world when I'm on the air. I don't know any other service that would do that. So, uh, so they're really good things to block talk. That's why I'm here. However. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the only service that I've found where you can, just, you can easily do live mm-hmm. call-ins. Uh, either, you know, with your phone or if you have the gold package, you have the direct connect option for the callers. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, yeah, where it, it really is a very unique service. I've looked. Um, and mm-hmm. it's really the only one. All the other ones out there, you have to, like, pre-record it no, and then upload that. it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's no fun. Let me just sit no. here and talk for two hours by myself and then upload it kind of podcast. That's, you know. <laughs> it's hard enough to talk for two hours by yourself. Interactive. Yeah, so when things get that bad, I, I have a bunch of interviews. I'm, I'm uh, gradually playing my WEBY when I was on uh, AM radio station before it was bought out and all of us were fired. Um, so I managed to, to uh, abscond with. All, all my interviews. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happily putting those on podcasts now too. But that's why you want to have a break. Played one the other day. I forgot what the topic was, but I've got it here. I, but I, I, I'm not running into a problem of having to stop. I'm just happy to stop an audio clip because sometimes I have to do that, but that's rare. But my audio clips are short. You know, one, maybe two minutes at the longest. For most of them, unless it's a 45-minute interview, uh, when I take out the commercials. Um, but that's about it. And those 45 interviews, I can't really stop. I don't want to because they're, they're kind of like a, a total package. So, you know. That's not an issue, um, but we'd love to, I'd like to be able to touch, get in touch. I think it would be good to have a stop button or, or have an extra button or maybe a, you, you hit one for stop and then, um, you know, double click for restart or continue on, or I don't know how they would do it. might be complicated, but the DB meters definitely. Do you remember, were you here? Well, you know, when not had, really. It wouldn't be that complicated. It's just adding another button, you know. They have enough okay. space for that in the switchboard. You know, you'd have so like a, a play pause button, button, a pause button, and a stop button. It's simple, you know. Huh. Um, and then eventually it would be nice for them to have uh, the ability to, like, you know, fast forward through a clip. You know, like if you have a 30-minute clip but you want to just forward to a certain spot, um, that would eventually be nice, too. Like to have an actual real functioning player um, yeah. where you can 
forward through it, you know, go go to the two-minute mark or whatever, the place that mm-hmm. you want to actually start playing the clip. Mm-hmm. Um, skip over certain sections of it or whatever, highlight a certain section. Um, that's on my wish list too. But I think the priority is, you know, give us a player that actually does pause and we can restart. That's number one. Number two is then incorporate the ability to go forward and backward through a clip um, or replay part of it kind of a thing, you know, if you have the scroll bars, just like YouTube, you know, where you can yeah, no, that makes sense. scroll uh, the, and go you, forward you, or backward well, or wherever bar. you want to go. Yeah, if you if you yeah, what you, know, you could do is you could have you know where we have in the middle section we have episode information and then we have live chat. If you had another one which would be you know audio bar, and so that they put it at the bar where they put it where the live chat is, that you had that kind of a bar. You have a start and a stop thing there, so it wouldn't be on the audio clip. You could leave the audio clip section where it is with the start button, and the stop button, uh, and just have a, have a bar in the middle. They could actually put it there, and put the dB meter. Um, just to the right of the audio clips, you can put your DB meter. This is interesting. This is kind of fun. Um, the other thing I was, uh, and, and, and yeah, the other thing I was thinking of was, were you here when they had the state map? Because we have the international map, you know, where we where our numbers are, our percentage of listeners. Do you remember the state map? Yeah, we, no, I wasn't here that? when there was, I didn't know that there ever was a state map. I only there have the worldwide. Yeah. There was a state map, and it was invaluable for me because 85% of my listeners are in the United States. So why wouldn't you tell me which states they're listening in? So we got to get a state map back. Yeah, that'd and be good. Got rid of it. Yeah, if you can do a world map, you can do a state map. I mean, they, they had it. I know it was working fine, and they said they had to get rid of it because it wasn't working. And I'm like, trust me, it was working fine. It were, it, how, could yeah. that one, how could that one not be working in the international Don't you love it when they don't harder. listen to the people that actually host the shows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, they say I have listeners in, and well, I think they're gone out, but I had Sri Lanka. I had Armenia. These are not big places. I had the Solomon Islands. I had New Caledonia. We're showing up on my international map. You mean to tell me you can't do the 50, the, the, four, the 50 contiguous United, well, not contiguous, but the 50 United States, but you can tell me if I have listeners in New Caledonia? Oh, come on. We have Belarus now, which exactly. is really interesting. We have Belarus. Belarus, the State Department said, don't go to Belarus. So I'm trying to get my Belarus listeners to uh, call in, text in, or something. <laughs> you know, I want to hear from Belarus because they're right above Ukraine, right? I, w- I want the story. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. So where, where, you know, do you have I have um, my my uh, number of listeners. I have eight point zero nine percent from China. Believe it or not, I don't know why China is uh, so interested in my show. <laughs> well, maybe there's nothing else on it Sunday night. <laughs> you think of that. <laughs> well, that it would be Monday in Chinatown, uh, China time because Chinatown. you know that's on the other no, side of the international daylight. In, listeners in Chinatown, we have wonderful time listening to China. So it would be a Monday uh, for Excuse them. bad accents, folks. Yeah, this is kind of funny. I, you got more than yeah, I, I know. One percent. Yeah. And then I, I have unknown. Six point seven six percent is unknown. What do you mean unknown? Uh, and. Unknown. It literally says country unknown, 6.76%. Well, that's fascinating. Unknown I don't have that. countries. You must, do, you have the, do we it's have the same weird, international I know. map? 
And then that, United Kingdom is one point four eight, and then Canada. So those are my top five. Okay. But no, I you know, four, I have, I, you know, yeah. less than one percent in all other kinds of countries. You know, yeah, Brazil, yeah. You know, so that means South one person America. who's like bored. So you got one person in, uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in Argentina with nothing else to do. Oh, let's listen to action radio. <laughs> you know, you never know how many. I, does it take? It might even only take one person because we're in so many different places. I can't believe we're, we're, you know. But the English-speaking world likes action radio. So our biggest listeners are, are England, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand by far. That's our biggest destination outside the United States. But we have Holland. Excuse me. Sorry, Marco. We have the Netherlands. We have a lot of listeners in Israel. Um, we're big in, in the free countries, Japan, um, but I, there's still only around 1%. The one country I want to get into that I'm not in that bothers me is Taiwan. I really want to have listeners in Taiwan. I've been trying to get I have friends in Taiwan, you know, say, hey, guys, can you like, you know, we'll have to, I want you on the world map. <laughs> you know, they always have other things to do, like worry about China invading. But, uh, you know, I did a bunch of specials on Hong Kong, too. Anyway, we've got about 10 minutes left. You want to talk about your bill? Make sure we get that in. Uh, yeah, it's a, kind of a proposal more than a bill. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, the the last few days, um, over the last week or so, there's a, a group of some of us Blog Talk Radio hosts, uh, myself, Joe Gibson, um, Robert uh, Gar- Garding, uh, Conservative Nation Radio, uh, and a few others, where we're trying to get together and collectively – voice our wants uh, or our demands for voter integrity laws. Mm-hmm. And we want to tackle it state by state. We want to focus on like, okay, you know, on, you know, let's say Monday or whatever, uh, we're going to call Georgia and, or in email Georgia. And so we focus on one state at a time, uh, all getting together and doing the same thing, sending it off to, uh, so hopefully that maybe it gets noticed, you know, and then we move on to another state and another state and another state. Um, and I can read to you kind of the opening statement mm-hmm. and then like highlight some of the stuff that we're talking about. And I know you have the document in front of you, but, you know, I don't want to like read it all over. Actually, I'll put no, the links to the document <laughs> into yeah. your chat room um, if there's. People there well, I put it up. We have uh, we don't have chat rooms, but we do have. Um, I have about almost 25 Facebook groups. Oh, there it is. And so what I've done is I put it in the Action Radio in, uh, Election Integrity Project. That's where it is. So I've already posted Perfect. there. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah, I was going to post it there, and then I was like, oh, I'm not in. You know, I hadn't joined that group yet, and so I pressed you have join now. it. But uh, you're in now. I do that. now. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in a few yeah. other of your groups, but I wasn't in that one. Well, like I can say I've uh, got 25, see. So this and, is, you know, um, it takes a while to find them all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you've got several of them, and I'm in several of them, but I don't know. I'm not aware of all of them. Okay. What, uh, is there a talk so show So the opening group? statement to it is uh, that okay, I wrote up um, is uh, attention news and media outlets across America. Several, po- several podcasters on Blog Talk Radio are combining our voices in unison to demand that the 50 states enact, reform, and or repeal laws to model these proposed comprehensive voter integrity laws, working together using our internet alternative media platforms to address election laws and rules across this country. We emphasize our right to vote and to be confident 
that the elections, candidates, and legislation we vote for are free from fraud, corruption, and manipulation. We recognize there are numerous problems our country faces, which urgently needs to be addressed, yet at the very core of it all, uh, of all of it, is understanding that nothing meaningful can happen unless we first ensure our elections and our votes are honest and secure. Us Blog Talk Radio hosts, along with our listening audiences, will be contacting each state's legislators and election boards to demand these election integrity proposals be addressed and implemented prior to the 2024 election. We the people insist that each state prioritize make prioritize making the needed changes modeling these proposals promptly. Our Constitution of the United States solidifies we the people's right to free speech of the press and redress of grievances, which we intend to collectively utilize. Our ultimate goal is to restore our republic. Our first step must be ensuring honest elections and that our vote actually does, in fact, count. And then... um, So it gets into, hopefully prior to 2024, just to highlight some of it, Mm -hmm. uh, making Election Day a federal holiday, including the midterm elections, uh, so that there's no reason why somebody can't vote. Uh, Electronic touchscreen and online voting is not permitted. Require the use of hand-marked paper ballots that are number-sequenced, watermarked, and mylar wrapped RFB insert so that the RFID uh, uh, ballot production should be as secure as our currency. Hand counting of all paper ballots by volunteers at counting tables. Uh, any person who at any time handles, transports, stores, or counts ballots shall wear a body camera at all times while performing those duties. Uh, full coverage room cameras required where ballots are counted, moved, and stored. Uh, shall be enabled for unrestricted public viewing. Uh, In cases where a paper ballot cannot be properly read and counted and an election official must hand duplicate the casted votes onto a new ballot, it must be video recorded and in clear view to ensure that it is duplicated properly. The voter must then be notified and provided with verification that their ballot was hand duplicated and the votes were correctly recorded. Along with that, a means by which that the voter can actually view the body cam footage of the person that's duplicating their ballot to ensure that they're doing it correctly, um, along with a way to dispute it if there is an error that they notice and, and can dispute and have it be corrected. Uh, ballots must have a complete chain of custody. Uh, Ballots must be securely stored for no less than one year after an election, including signature verification. You know, so the envelope that you sign, the ballot and your signature need to stay together and be stored for up to one year after an election. Uh, Valid state ID is required for each voter. Um, Mail-in ballots are available only to voters who cannot physically vote in person for employment-related reasons or documented health reasons. Active duty members of the military, especially those deployed outside of the United States, should be prioritized so their ballots are mailed out first and allowed adequate time to receive them back. Well, here's um, an idea, too. I just want to hold you up for a second. We only have a couple minutes left. But, um, yeah, no worries. Why not just have people vote on the military basis and have the ballots counted there? Just send in the results. That way you don't have the potential for vote fraud. 
That's what's in our bill. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that the mil- uh, military bases mm-hmm. are like outside the U.S.? Yeah. Well, it's, it's U.S. territory. It'd be like voting in an embassy. It's U.S. territory. Mm-hmm. So you have official designated vote counters who do all the things that you do. You have military folks that would be designated as vote counters. They'd be uh, you know, vetted and all that kind of cool stuff. They'd be checking with uh, body cam. They'd have paper balance, and uh, they'd do the same procedure that they would do in a precinct. We just count on the military base. That way you don't have to transport the mm-hmm. balance anywhere. Yeah. See, I, I think the bill yeah, is... Yeah, that's, is, that's is, a good idea, too. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, yeah, so I can't think of anything wrong with that except for maybe security reasons. Well, it's awesome. Um, Nothing's perfect. But here's the thing. Yeah, this is, you know. Um, you know, as a show that is dedicated to doing exactly this, writing legislation, you know, I'm happy to help you guys. You know, I don't know, I don't know who the group is that worked on this, but, uh, you know, count me in. I'd love to help. Uh, I, I sent you our, our model uh, for the state of Florida. That except for the the numbers of the, the the title and section of the bills, you could apply that to any state. You know, there's a model bill. It's very simple: paper ballots, mm-hmm. video yeah. counting, bonded counters, yeah, precincts I can see of a thousand. Both of us kind of, yeah, what you, we can kind of merge together you know, a little bit. Yours yeah. was focused on Florida and covers like the specific laws. Same thing. Um, this is, this the is same. kind of a generic proposal to be like, you know, modify your laws as needed mm-hmm. to encompass this. You know, kind yeah. of a deal. And I, so. I was working on trying to make it uh, generic enough so it can be applicable no matter what state we're going to. Um, You know, some states might already have some of this in place, which is great, Um, Mm -hmm. and some some states not. And so it it can be, you know, applicable to whatever state it is. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of the rundown. I mean, there's more to it. Um, I broke down like, you know, when touchscreen voting is used because, you know, let's face it, it takes time to change these laws. Uh, So, you know, I broke down, uh, you know, when touchscreen or electronic voting machines are used. Here's the stipulations again, body cam. Yeah, see, I would take that out too. Stuff like that. I would just say no voting machines. Just make it no voting machines. Make them adapt to it. You know, voting machines are always a problem. They were always hackable. They're, they're never going to give you uh, a secure result. You can never trust them. So we just get rid of them. I mean, our bill. See, here's the thing about legislation. This is one thing I've learned. Um, you, the tendency to try and put every possible conceivable contingency into the bill. That's not how you do it. A lot of that comes to regulations. That's what regulations are for and instructions and things like that. But you want to have much broader principles and a lot shorter bill. So if you could knock this down to about a third the size or a quarter of the size, have more bullet points, not try to cover every exact contingency, uh, it'll be a lot easier to model with other states because people get, uh, you know, they kind of get lost in the details. Um, so I would knock it down to much shorter, um, just and like say general principles, and I think a much more effective bill. Now, our bill, not to push our bill, but our bill is generic. It is written for any state. And the principle, principle is the same for every state. Paper ballots only. Now, you can have election day or early voting. I'm not, I don't have a problem with early voting um, because the Democrats bank their as Dick Morris says, Democrats bank their votes for a month. Republicans, if you only vote on one day, you know, you can totally uh, trash that day, which is what they did in Arizona when they printed ballots that didn't fit in, in the uh, counting machines. Oh, wasn't that smart? You know. So uh, yeah. there's a lot of things to watch. With well, in Oregon, we just, we, you know, uh-huh. Oregon is a state where, um, it, where we are all mail-in or drop-off ballot boxes, and yeah, so crazy. Oregon's been a mail-in voting state for like 30 years. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So in-person voting is going to have. 
some pushback. It's going to take a while to implement here in Oregon. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so, it should be in person with ID, with voter ID. In fact, we have one uh, one of our folks, Josie, that wrote a bill for fingerprint ID. She actually had the, the Disney-style thumbprint just to make sure you are who you say you are. And you only get to vote once. If your thumbprint shows up somewhere else, <laughs> we got a problem. You know, so there's there's a lot of yeah, things that you can do. I don't- I think ID is enough. Um, I wouldn't okay. want to be yeah, fingerprinted. It's kind of, yeah. I would, it's like, I shouldn't be treated as if I'm being booked in jail just because I want to vote, you know? Well, let's get rid uh, of and, Disneyland too, guess, then. We should get rid of the Disneyland ones too. <laughs> I mean, why should they, why should they thumbprint people? You know, screw them. You know, screw them. Yeah. You know, I, through Disney yeah. World. No, I'm happy with ID, I mean, it's, but it's, it's gotta be a real ID. You know, and the problem is that driver's licenses can be bought, social security cards can be bought. Those aren't secure. The probably the most secure is the passport. What are you doing? Are you like shoveling snow at the other end? What's going uh, on? I'm getting some uh, ice for my ice water. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I couldn't figure out that sound. I'm thinking, why would I think of snow at this time of year? Maybe I'm wishful thinking for winter. But anyway, the other thing, the provision that um, my favorite provision probably because I came up with it, is that all voter registrations expire December 31st at midnight. So everybody re-registers. Now, it can be simple. If, you, if your information's the same, register online like you do with your car. No problem. Don't have a problem with that. If anything changes, if you move, um, <clears throat> if anything changes in your information, you've got to go back person. But for new registrations, you know, you should be able, and there should be some kind of a national yeah. data bank that checks for duplicate registrations. No one should be registered in two places. Mm-hmm. You can't be in two places at the same time, as they say, unless you're Superman. You know, but uh, if you, exactly. you know, and, and, and the justification is we do it for our cars. That would have a lot of the scrubbing of database problems because that's yeah, one no, thing that, you know, so many yeah. states are lacking in and are so bad at. Mm-hmm. And it's almost well, like an uphill to. battle to get states to actually scrub their voter registrations of people that are dead, people that have moved, people yeah. that are ineligible because they well, got a felony, whatever. Just erase everybody yeah. at the end of the year. You know, simple, right? And again, if you want to register, you know, see, here's the thing, too, that, that I think about voter registration um, that, or voting in general. You know, we, we do not have to take Herculean efforts to, for people to vote. Now, you can't stop anybody from voting. It's, it's a right, okay, uh, for citizens, and that includes any election. I don't care, but uh, Pianchi and I have argued that uh, he says that the illegal aliens are voting in local elections. That's, illegal aliens can't even be here, so they certainly can't vote. That's my contention. Anyway, but the point is that uh, I'm I agree. Post, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm going to put your, your website in my my uh, my show title, which I tend to. Uh, anyway, so we got that here. Um, you, the website you sent me, um, but uh, I keep all those. But anyway, um, it, it, it's weird that we we treat car registration as more important than voter registration. And again, like I say, it's it's you know uh, I was mentioning this earlier in the show. You know, you have a, the free speech is a right. The government cannot stop you from, they cannot preemptively stop you from saying anything. Now, once you speak, you come under statutory law, libel, slander, and criminal negligence if you yell fire in a crowded theater. But do you have a right to yell fire in a crowded theater? Absolutely. There might be a fire, <laughs> you know. And so that's, uh, you know, and, and the actual quote is, do you have a right to falsely yell fire in a crowded theater? That's the actual quote from the Oliver Wendell Holmes decision. But anyway, but the point is that, yeah, because right then speech, you're actively you, causing a, a situation that people panic, yeah. people get injured as a result. Well, of you course. Know, and so therefore, you're liable for what you said. Exactly. Right. Um, but do you have a right to yeah. yell fire in a crowded theater? Absolutely. 
If you do yell, fire in a crowded theater, are you subject to statutory law for doing so? Absolutely. Same thing with a gun. You have an absolute right to own and carry a firearm. Now, are you subject to statutory law if you use it? Absolutely. If you're defending yourself, cool. Exactly. If you're carjacking, no. <laughs> you know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> exactly. It's very you know, simple. Well, this uh, is my argument that I've for used complicated for, minds and too complicated yeah. for simple minds. But you can use this too. The, the use versus the right. The right stops government. The use is on you. So if you use yeah. a firearm illegally, that has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment stops the government from touching in any way your right to own and carry a firearm. Now, does, that, does the Second Amendment say you get to get one from the government? You get one issued to you? No. You've got to go out and buy it. You know, for, does your right exactly. to free speech include a computer? No, it doesn't. You know, you got to go buy you one. Can, but you have the, you can use one, yes. Yeah, but they can't stop <laughs> you. You can buy you one. It. You can go to a library or something and, you know, use theirs well, yeah. whenever. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. Is censorship yeah. by private companies like social media, is that legal because they're private companies? For me, if it is, if it is a private company, then the private company can determine the rules of their platform. However... Okay. As we have seen with, with Facebook and previously Twitter and Google and everything else, mm-hmm. when you become an arm of the government, when you allow the White House or the you know, DOJ or anybody from the government to come in and say, this is what's misinformation and this is what isn't, mm-hmm. and you know, when, you, when you essentially become a propaganda arm for the government, then... That that right of yours to determine it. Now you're you're not a private company anymore. Now you're an arm mm-hmm. of the government, and free speech therefore applies. And so no, you can't censor people if that's the way you're going to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've been seeing. Obviously, I mean, I know you know this. <laughs> you know that. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, but I, I have another argument that I think you can use, uh, and that is that private companies cannot censor people because they're private companies in the same way that uh, the Democrat South segregated against black customers in restaurants. And if the restaurant said, well, wait, I'm a private company. I I can say who can uh, dine at my lunch counter. (laughs) No, you can't. If you're open for business, if you're open to the public, you have to serve the public with the products that you're offering. So in other words, you can't, you know, uh, you can't uh, discriminate against black customers, you know, for your uh, liver and onions. You know, if you uh, serve white customers, liver and onions. However, if you're a Christian bakery that does not make gay wedding cakes for anybody, you can't be required to offer a product that you don't make. That's how I, that's how I differentiate that. Same way as you can't go to a uh, pizza restaurant and demand sushi. They don't make it. <laughs> you know, why would you be able to demand a gay wedding cake from a Christian baker? They don't make it. Sure. It's the same thing, right? So here's the other argument. Sure. So the segregation argument holds true, that there's something called public accommodation. If if you take a look at it, I think you'll find it really interesting, that public accommodation means if you're open to the public, you know, you're not entirely a private business anymore. Now, if you're a private club like the the Armenian Society of America, you don't have to let people in that aren't Armenian, but you're not open to the public. Everybody knows that's a private club. That's different. However, if you're, you know, Joe's Armenian restaurant serving rice aroni to everybody, which is Armenian, by the way. You know, and all of a sudden you say, well, we don't want uh, Azerbaijanis. We don't want Turks in here because they killed us in 1915. You can't do that. If you're open to the public, public accommodation. If you're open to the public with a product, you have to offer it to everybody. Which means big tech cannot censor 
because they're a private company, conservatives. Because they are open to the public. They have to be just as open to us as they are to liberal, fascist, Marxist pigs. Excuse my directness. Yes, and no throttling. Does that make sense? No, um, yeah, exactly. Right. Like what we've seen. And it can go the other way around, too. You know, mm-hmm. if whatever they have done to silence conservatives or silence us deplorables, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it can turn around and backfire on them. No, you know, it, it, when the winds change, then it could be the reverse happens. We have a Republican White House, a Republican Congress, mm-hmm. uh, Republican run, you know, majority and everything. Uh, then the same tactics can be used in the reverse. And well, so was, that's uh, what we need to, pre- to prevent is, you know, whatever the left does to mm-hmm. censor the right, you know, the, those same means can be used. Sure. Um, against them eventually, and and that's what we should all be working toward, you know, trying to prevent. You know, mm-hmm. every, we should everybody should be against censorship, and that's just because it's your side doing the censoring, and you go <laughs> yay rah rah, you know. <laughs> well, I, I have a bill to make that's, ideology a civil right, so that they cannot discriminate against ideology ever. Nobody can. Wouldn't that be interesting? I like that. I like yeah, that. I was, that should be included. You know, political yeah, ideology. Gun yep. Gun ownership is a civil right, too. Yep. So you can't discriminate against gun owners and accounts and bank loans and anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or gun companies. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We're going to have to go in a couple of minutes here. Um, but uh, the, the public accommodation argument. Also, um, my favorite uh, piece of uh, my favorite bill in the U.S. Code, Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. You know, I wrote up an entire lawsuit. I haven't found anybody to take it. And I'm supposed to be on the Children's Health Defense lawsuit, uh, the one where the judge uh, wrote this big uh, thing banning uh, the federal government from uh, talking to big tech, although that got – there was a stay on the stay, you know, uh, which I think is a, that's another story. But anyway, um, point being that um, we should be able to arrest big tech to, to take away our free speech rights. The exercise and enjoyment of any right is a felony. That includes uh, prison and fines. And big tech is more than two yeah. people. So two or more people conspiring to deny the civil right, the free speech rights, is a felony. So yeah. they could be thrown in jail on that alone. So the idea that they're screaming against... Uh, uh-huh. the government agents that are also in, in collaboration with that censorship. Oh, absolutely. There's no, it includes, no immunity. It, is, it especially well, includes them. Well, here's what's interesting, that the... Um, the feds, the, the, the leftist Marxists that are going after Trump actually tried to use that against Trump because he said there, he, you know, in trying to bring about his insurrection, which is really the left's insurrection when they stole the government, um, they said that uh, Trump was uh, denying people their, their right to vote for, for their choice of people, that their vote didn't count because he was trying to change the, overturn the result. Well, actually, <laughs> we're trying to correct the result. That's a little different story. But the thing is, the very law that they use against a government official is precedent for us using it against them. It's kind of interesting. They just admitted that Section uh, 241, Title 18, can be used against government officials for denying rights. Well, hell, that opens up a floodgate to thousands of people being arrested. Interesting, isn't it? Good. You know, yeah, good. Yeah. Thousands yeah. of okay. people should be arrested for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, and we all know that that was a farce, uh, especially the the congressional hearing committee, the select mm-hmm. Um, mm. committee that, you know, censored, you know, they deliberately 
manipulated and edited and cut video and omitted mm-hmm. video and all that. Right. You know, that, that was it was just all theater. Mm-hmm. And we all so know where's it. the Republican committee? Where, where's the Republican committee on the stolen 2020 election that should have started January 21st of last year? As soon as they took the house. Where was that? Good question. Mm-hmm. Where's the defunding of the branded insurrection because they're an illegal government? Did you see my article on, on the reasons I'm not voting Republican? These are, this is, all this stuff is, is right from that. But the biggest one is, why didn't they immediately start a House Select Committee on the stolen election of 2020? That would have been the first thing they should have done. Day one, when the Republicans uh, started their new session, January 21st, 2022. No, it's 23. This year. Yeah, they just started this year. So McCarthy's been speaker since uh, January 20th this year when the new session started. You should have immediately declared a House committee on the stolen election and only let Republicans into it just to match the Democrat one. That's what they should have done. But they got gutless. It's the gelding old party, the GOP. Gelding old party. Yeah. I mean, they have failed as well. And mm-hmm. You know, of course, we call them rhinos, you know. No, I don't. Uh, you know what I call them? Transgender Democrats. <laughs> I love it. I you love can use it. it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we don't call them rhinos anymore. Rhinos, that's, that's, that's too nice a term. Yeah. Transgender Democrats. Yeah. Transgender Democrats. That's very fitting. Thank um, you. I have my moment. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what you talking oh, about Sunday? If we're on the air, <laughs> what are you talking about this week? Yeah, if we're on the air, uh, hopefully, yeah, there better not be any more blog talk issues. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to mostly be focusing on, you know, celebrate a two-year anniversary. Hopefully, a bunch of people call in, um, and then you know, talk about the latest current events and stuff too, and just kind of see what's going on and what's been going on in the headlines. And and the show kind of takes a life of its own, pretty much. Okay. Uh, but I'm hoping well, that uh, lots of people call in, especially people that I've invited, people that have called in before. Maybe some of my past guests might call in and mm. and say hi, and maybe my past couple of co-hosts might call in and say hi. Uh, who so, are some of your past and guests? I, I, who, who, to, I know you've had Maj Ture on because you helped, helped me get him on the show. Who else you had on? Um, boy, I've had some really good people. Uh, I had Spike Cohen on one time, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Champion, a.k.a. Dr. Reality. He's been on my show three times. Oh. Uh, I'd let him know that he he'd feel free to call in if he can. Um, uh, Amber Richardson, she was a GOP candidate for Oregon governor. She's been on my show three times previously, so I'm hoping she might call in and say hi. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of putting the word out. I doubt Maj Ray will call in because, you know, he's a busy guy. Uh, so, but, hey, yeah, it took you know, me six months to get him on the, the show. Word out. <laughs> That's yeah, about exactly. my average. <laughs> you know, if there's somebody I want to talk to, it takes about six months before they uh, before they come on. So it, uh, it definitely takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, and I, right. think he's been, I think he's been going, like, state to state, you know, but he was mm-hmm. great. I had Maj Ray on twice on my show. Yep. Um, it'd be great to have him, you know, as a, a third time at some point mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, I would love to get Coleo Noir on my show. Um, yeah, I would too. That would be awesome. 
Yeah, I haven't but, been back yeah, to yeah, he's extra hard. Like, I've reached out probably at least four times to try to get him on my show. And, yeah, good luck. And uh, <laughs> falls on deaf ears. Yeah, good luck. Exactly. <laughs> well, I actually had an idea. Uh, I, had, you know, I, I had Richard Gage. Um, my first guest, actually, was mm-hmm. Richard Gage and Holland Vanden Neumannhoff. Uh, hopefully I've pronounced that Holland last name right. Holland Vanden Neumannhoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from Holland. Did a Noble Lie, the Oklahoma City bombing oh. documentary. If, if you've never seen it, you really no. should watch it. It's very good. What's the Noble um, Lie? I don't believe Holland that and Richard yeah. Gage actually uh-huh. worked together in the past. And so it just happened to turn out that I had uh, invited both of them to be a guest on my show. I, uh-huh. I started my show in September for a reason, for 9-11 Truth. And, and then it just so happened that they were both available that same Sunday. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we'll do a double header. And then I found out that they had worked together in the past on a project. Mm. And so it's kind of like a reunion for them. They hadn't you know, been in touch with each other for several years. And so it turned out to be like an excellent show. I think that was my fourth show uh-huh. uh, that I did two years ago. And uh, Richard Gage, for those that don't know, he is the, he is the founder of Architects and Engineers, 9-11 Truth. Uh, he was the CEO of it, and stepped down and started doing his own thing um, a couple of years back. And so uh, he was excellent, and Holland is always excellent. I've had Holland on. Uh, twice. Richard Gage has been on twice. And um, Holland is a great guest. He's one of those guests that's really easy. You know, you just get him talking. You ask him a question <laughs> and then he'll just, he'll just go name? on, Holland, you know. What's his last name? Holland Vanden Neumannhoff. Holland wow. Vanden Neumannhoff. Um, and yeah, he did A Noble Lie, Oklahoma City, uh, 1995. It's a documentary I highly, highly recommend that you watch if you've never seen it. It talks about the truth of the Oklahoma City bombing, all the anomalies, um, how the ATF was involved. Um, Yeah, it was like a precursor for 9-11. The the, the, the bomb patterns, I used to to go over the the New America stories. The bomb pattern was all wrong. There was a general engineer that said there's no way it could happen that way. You know, a bomb blast is like a sphere that goes out from the the explosion, and it gets less and less in distance. But you, you can't have a straight up and down bomb blast from something at street level. It's going to be, it's going to look like an expanding sphere. So it's going to be bigger in the bottom and smaller at the top. And this thing went straight up and down like demolition charges. So a lot of it doesn't make any exactly. sense at all. You know, and 9-11, we usually do a 9-11 exactly. special. And, and how the ATF yeah. just so happened, you know, the ATF had a, you know, had one of their offices in the building and it just so happens that nobody from the ATF was in the office that day um, or at that, that time. And mm-hmm. yeah, how about that? Now, Amazing, so, here's, right? so here's the question. Did the government cause it or did they know about it and exploit it? That is the good. That is the number one question. Same thing with nine eleven. You know, uh-huh. yeah. Did the government yeah. was did the government uh, have a part in in it, or did they just kind of let it happen so yeah. that they could I, I, usher in? Yeah. 
Yeah. I tend to think they, they knew it was going to happen and let it happen. I think that even they, even, maybe not now, because now they've stolen the government, they can do anything. But at that point, I think that if they were ever implicated as actually having caused it and it could be proven, it'd be far, far riskier, more dangerous for them than if they just snuck in. If they knew it was going to happen, if they knew the plan, they'd infiltrated uh, Timothy McVeigh's you know, group and they knew he was going to bomb at a certain time, a certain day, uh, they could plant the charges and they could empty the ATF office. That wouldn't be that tough to do. Uh, 9-11, you know, the fascinating part is the, the building that came down that wasn't hit by an airplane. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, Building 7. World building Trade 7, seven, is seven. The, exactly. Yeah, Building 7 is the big giveaway, okay? Um, and so there's, you know, and I don't think, you know, what I would love to see is uh, a drone made of an old obsolete airliner uh, fly, you, know, you could even construct a building. It wouldn't cost that much compared to how much the government spend on Ukraine. But you could build a, maybe like a 30, 40, maybe like a 30-story building uh, out in the desert somewhere. You know, do you, you don't have to equip it with everything. Yeah. Just fly an airplane into it. See what happens. See if it collapses. Or find an, old, an abandoned building. How many abandoned yeah. buildings are there, you know, yeah, you that, one. that could be utilized? Yeah, clear the area. A building that's going to be demolished anyway, right? Fly an airplane into it. Let's see what happens. You know, uh-huh. a, a, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a story of a B-25, which is a lot smaller airplane, twin-engine propeller airplane. I've actually been in one in the tail gunner position, flying backwards down Pensacola Beach. That's a story. Um, but um, one flew into the, uh, the Empire State Building. Didn't collapse. <laughs> it just flew into it. Right? So there are stories of airplanes exactly. flying into yeah. buildings. And they didn't fall down. Now, 767 fully loaded with fuel is a whole different story. It's a big airplane. I still don't believe it's going to bring down the World Trade Center. I stood on the roof of the World Trade Center. It's huge. I was there in high school on a band exchange. Yeah. And so we're, yeah. I even saw where Philippe Petit Well, and then even the name. fuel doesn't explain it. Because when well, even, the fuel, does, you know, the fuel yeah. doesn't even explain it. Because mm-hmm. when the planes hit the building, most of that fuel burned up with the initial explosion outside mm-hmm. of the building. Yeah. All that fuel boom outside, you know, that yeah. burned up the vast. There's no way that there was enough fuel left after the initial explosion to go, you know, running down all of the columns and heating it up to the well, point yeah, of weakening. Uh, uh, the, the wings broke off. The, the, the story the is just not right. Then there's the yeah. Pentagon. Um uh-huh. And one person I would love to get on my show sometime is Barbara Harbinger. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully I got that last name right. Uh, yep. But she did the documentary no. um, behind, the, the, behind the Smoke Curtain. I think Honiger, Barbara Honiger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Barbara Honiger. I remember her from San Yeah, Behind the yeah. Smoke Curtain. Mm-hmm. And she focuses on the Pentagon. Uh, and that's a great, you know, three hours well spent. Uh, she when she did her presentation in Seattle back in what yep. was it 2011 I believe. Yeah, the crash was and wreckage. Uh, <laughs> there's no pictures yeah, of airplane yeah. wreckage. Well, there oh, was happened. wreckage, but it wasn't where they said it's supposed to be, and so that's oh. the key thing. So oh, they put uh, it in the wrong place? her her evidence. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh-huh. it was it was uh, near the helicopter pad. Oh. About another hundred yards away from the from the official story's impact zone, uh-huh. uh, and it was a drone, and the uh, there was a helicopter that a military helicopter that lifted off uh, just before the drone strike. Uh, the drone came in and uh, blew it up, so the drone did not actually hit the building. 
it was blown up beforehand. And so she gets really into the details of it and the evidence oh. of this. And, wow. uh, and so the, it, yeah, she gets really into it and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and she shows all the evidence of it. She shows the where, and, and it happened several minutes before the official story says it happened. Hmm. There were explosions so the was early? at least five to six minutes beforehand. Yeah. Um, right next to the helicopter landing spot is, uh, is a small fire station with a fire truck mm-hmm. uh, that had already been pulled out because apparently President Bush was scheduled to arrive at the Pentagon later that day. So they were preparing for his arrival. They pulled the fire truck out of, of, the, of the garage, basically. And uh, the, the evidence of the explosion is that the clock inside of, of that firehouse right outside the Pentagon stopped, like right at 930. Mm-hmm. So a full like eight minutes before the supposed impact of the plane, long before <laughs> the supposed plane was ever even near the Pentagon. Right. Uh, and then there was a person that was clo- that was, also on uh, the other section, the section that wasn't hit, basically, uh, she came in to start her work day, and the second she hit her computer, there was an explosion. She thought she caused it by turning the on button on her computer. Oh, wow, that's And weird. again, and this, so this is at, this, at the same time as this, her, her watch stopped, uh, her, watch, her, her wrist watch that she was wearing, uh-huh. Uh, was impacted and stopped. And so both her watch and the clock inside the firehouse both stopped at the, at the same time of that explosion, which was, like I said, between six and eight minutes before the supposed impact of, of the plane hitting the Pentagon. So this should hmm. happen be, long before any of that. And so that, she really does a great presentation. Like, I can't even do it justice, but... Um, so, and I love that she got into the Pentagon because everybody's focus has been on the World Trade Center towers. Ooh, uh, and that's not what the interesting part is. Yeah. How about the t- How about the yeah. the, uh, the flight that uh, that crashed before they got there, where the passengers tried to break into the the cockpit and stop the the pilots from you know crashing into the ground. Yeah, the flight that went down in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were shot out of the sky. Um, oh really? They were shot out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. How could they not uh, break Dick into Cheney the cockpit? The they weren't locked. The order. Yeah, the cockpits weren't locked in those days. How could you not break in? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I didn't hear they were shot out of the yeah. sky. Yeah. So, saying a missile or something, or because or, somebody knows about that. If that's the case, if that plane was shot down, and why would they shoot it down in Pennsylvania? Why, you know, did they want it in an abandoned field somewhere? I mean, what was the what was the purpose of that? Why wouldn't they allow it to crash into the buildings if that if that, that's what the government was doing? Um, maybe because it would be too obvious because that was the, that was the last plane that had been up the longest. Uh, by then they already had the jets up, you know, the jets were already up in the air. They were aware of it. So I don't think that they could get by with, um, just allowing it to happen with that plane. It would be way too obvious. So I think that's why Dick Cheney said, you know, shoot them down because, Yeah. So you think that was an ordered shootdown? And uh, even though the passengers yeah, were trying Cheney to break in, yeah, Dick is the one that ordered the shootdown. He even admitted it in an interview. So if he ordered the shootdown, 
theoretically, the passengers could have already taken over the airplane. They could have, um, but I mean, that's not, that's not what they how would movie, they really know obviously. that? Well, you would know that if they broadcast, um, if there was a radio transmission that's kept on magnetic tape and things like that. Every broadcast is recorded. Now, I think they're, they're unless they erase the tapes, but that would be something to know. Did the passengers, was any passenger smart enough to dial 121.5, which is the emergency frequency, and say, help, mayday, 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 hijacked airplane. You know, we need an airport now. That's what I do. I'm a flight instructor. I, I know exactly what to do. Besides, I love to fly one of those planes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd hop in the left seat and okay. Who knows? Let's go. <laughs> you know. You know take Who the, knows? Take the that was kind the back, of a mystery as far as what really happened. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. I never thought about that before. Of, yeah. Yeah. Had the passengers already taken over the plane when they were shot down? That is an interesting question. Because it never would occur to Dick Cheney that anybody would actually do that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, our yeah. government is a clusterfuck all the time. I mean, <laughs> you know, okay. just, uh, even though they have drills, you know, they, they had drills for exactly these scenarios repeatedly, but nobody could imagine. Oh, like, speaking yeah, of drills. Right. You know, just the <laughs> well, previous day you had drills on this very scenario, you know. So, speaking of drills, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to let you go in a bit because uh, we are, we're definitely into overtime now. Um, but speaking of drills, Maui had emergency drills. They had a FEMA drill going on, you know, either the day of or the day before the fire. You know, they all knew what to do. And they have one. Yeah. yeah they, they have fires once a month. Uh-huh. Except when they have an emergency. You know. Yeah. It, and and this is normal for this, and Yeah. This Maui is, is a whole people. new yeah. story. Yeah. I talked a lot about Maui. And now, yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but I saw um, somebody in Maui, you know, right around the Lahaina area. Uh-huh. Now they're putting a, a, basically a fence around this huge area, like well outside of the actual burn zone. Oh. A huge fence, not allowing people in or out. They have police cars, you know, periodically spaced, spaced apart all uh-huh. the way around this area. And... I was like, gee, you know, if they can do that around the Lahaina area, why can't they do that at the border? Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, the, the border is a different thing, but uh, it's interesting that I'm curious to see what happens. Now, I'm not convinced yet that it's going to be a 15-minute uh, a island or whatever else they're going to try and do to it. I don't know yet. Uh, to me, it look, I've, I found a bunch of articles. To me, it looks like it's just negligence, too much vegetation, too, power lines were too old and vulnerable. They turned off the water, left the power on, didn't blow the sirens, and didn't do anything about the fact that they had a red flag warning of basically hurricane force winds. That, to me, is what happened. It's all very explainable. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a well, yeah, direct it's, energy it's weapon. It's not a, on every single level is, is yeah. what happened. Um, but here's the thing. Yeah. And I but think that, is, but I think that even that's for a reason. You know, I, Maui hmm. signed on to be the, for a 15-minute island. Uh, and they were, they just, they had two conferences on that. Uh, the huh. second one was scheduled for the for September. Huh. Uh, so they already had that. It's already in the works. Uh, it was already planned. And what better way, you know, and and in the Lahaina area. There's a lot of people, there's no new development allowed in that area because of all the historic buildings. Right. And so 
I think all of the incompetence maybe wasn't so much incompetence. It was done for a reason Um, because they want to rebuild on there, you know, and now that now it's going to be cheaper to do so. It's a whole hell of a lot easier to demolish and destroy something and then rebuild than to rebuild with already existing structures and stuff. So now they can rebuild it with their. Yeah. 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 Cardboard homes and sheetrock and they can uh, make it all plastic and carbon fiber and weak stuff. Well, carbon fiber is not weak, but it can be. uh, Yeah. They can have. Well, this is what happened in San Francisco. This is kind of like the model. And I, during the Truman administration, I, talked, I used to talk about this on my tours, that the Truman administration took a, a, a predominantly black neighborhood in San Francisco, uh, and they uh, promised uh, the residents uh, that they were going to fix up their Victorian homes, and then they could move back. Oh, great idea, right? So a lot of black residents from San Francisco moved to Oakland. This is why Oakland has a large black population. Anyway, so what uh, the Truman administration did, instead of repairing their Victorians, they destroyed them and built government house projects instead. It's a huge scandal. People don't talk about this too much, but this is a this is a big deal to to a lot of folks that know the story, especially if they have relatives that lost their perfectly good privately owned Victorian homes and were told they could now go back into a government housing project. Shows what the government thinks of black people, uh, typical Democrat. Um, but uh, it's just a horrible yeah, exactly. tragedy. And it's, yeah, it's called. Well, you know, people don't understand it, but this is how Democrats think, right? That uh, black Americans should be in a housing project because why would they, you know, have independent privately owned homes? which they're perfectly happy, you know, these folks are perfectly happy for generations. Um, but this, uh, just this one area, it's, it's called the Western Edition. You can look it up. The Truman Housing <laughs> Western Edition Destruction, whatever it's called. I don't know if it has a specific name. Um, but I used to talk about it on my tours. And I got, I got congratulations. There was a, a black tour guide that said, thank you for talking about this because nobody else is talking about this. Said, hey, it's part of the history. I talk about, you know, I talk about it all, good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, tour guiding was, uh, was great preparation for radio. Um, Although we do have our yeah, I'm going to have to look that up because this is the yeah. first I've ever heard of it. But yet it doesn't oh, yeah, surprise first... me in any way, uh-huh. shape, or form either. Yeah, first and most. Now, my details may not be absolutely exact. It's been a while since I've looked it up. But look up Truman Administration Housing Renewal Project, San Francisco Victorians, uh, Black Residents, you know, and something's going to come up. It's really, you know, you don't hear about stuff like that too much. But yeah, that's, that's a Democrat. I'm from the government. I'm here to replace your home with a government housing project. And so what I'm thinking is that might, you know, Maui might be that same model. Well, now that it's destroyed, why don't we just make, uh, you know, let's have government housing. We'll make this an experimental community. We'll have all electric cars. This will be wonderful. This will be paradise. We'll have no CO2. It'll be green. No, it won't. CO2 is what makes the place green, you idiots. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did you hear hey, um, uh-huh. talking about, I think it was um, the university, what is it? I think it's the university. California University, I think maybe Stanford or, or Stanford or Berkeley or something. Uh-huh. I don't remember which university it is, but they are devising and developing a way to remove carbon dioxide from the ocean. They want to remove carbon dioxide from the ocean. And well, I'm the like, oceans do have a lot of carbon okay, dioxide. Now, if they want to leave, if they want to relieve the ocean of the carbon dioxide, the number one producer of carbon dioxide because of all the plant life, and then I'm like, how how can they even think they could possibly make a dent? I mean, there are a lot of underwater volcanoes going off all the time, especially along the Atlantic Ridge, sure, in the Pacific. 
I mean, there's constant volcanic activity on the ocean floor. There's not going to even make a dent in it. If you think cow farts are bad, what about it's whale all farts? bullshit. Be it's all yeah. like just more ways to get money from the government, more ways to scam people out of their out of their tax dollars. It's nuts. Well, the problem is, it, with, it gets so nuts. without carbon dioxide, we're all dead because when the plants die, we die. I mean, it's just that simple. So these idiots are are not only insane, they're also suicidal, and I'm not going to let them kill everybody, including themselves. That's how bad it is. You got to come on the show more often. We got lots to talk about, but I got to go for now. <laughs> This has been fun. Yes. Yes, yeah. I know. I know. Well, I mean, at least this is part of the recording, though. I mean, people oh, yeah, uh, are able to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I not usually you know, or available so early in the morning. Well, sorry. It's not early for me. It's 7 o'clock when I start. I'm usually done by 10. Not today. <laughs> you, you got here late. You got here late to the party, darling. <laughs> I know I did. I apologize. Well, it's funny because I I was going to, I took a nap. Like I told you, I was like, I'm I'm either going to end up staying up all night or trying to take a nap uh, before calling in. And so I went to take a nap and I set my alarm uh, for an hour beforehand that I would have some time to have some coffee. But I set it accidentally for 6.15 p.m. instead of (laughs) a.m. I've done that before. Yep, happens. I was like, oh, well, no wonder why it didn't go off. It was set for PM instead of AM. Obviously, you needed the sleep. Um, That's okay. I had a really interesting, uh, I went over this article on on Independence Day. It was really quite interesting. So it all worked out. I just have to go now, though. I got stuff to do. I got got to build a right. I got another article I want to do. Um, Life uh, between shows is as busy as life on, actually, it's actually busier than life on the show, which is kind of interesting. This is the playtime. This is the fun time. I just get to sit and chat. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Let's plug your show, and then I'll play our, our closing theme. I always play classical music at the end of my show. I have these one-minute selections, so uh, you can listen to that on the way out. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so plug your show. Yeah, and, you know, feel free if you're available on Sunday night okay. to call in and say hi. Sure. Um, you're welcome to. And then, like I said, you know, I, there's things that I always plan to try to cover, uh, but whether or not I actually get to it, depends on how the conversation goes on the show. So uh, that's that's the awesome thing about having an unscripted show because mm-hmm. it just sort of takes a life, it takes on a life of its own, as I said before. So, yeah, uh, so anybody that's out there listening right now, feel free to tune in Sunday night, Lucid Libertarian with Lorianne, right here on Blog Talk Radio, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Join the party. It's my two-year anniversary show. And so I'm really excited about that. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, has it been two years already? You know, one it of has. things. And then it's also one of those like, like, how do I remember life before I was doing my show? You know? No, no. <laughs> Let, let's I'm, give you the let's give you the gong. Let's announce it again. And now the two year anniversary of Lorianne's show. Isn't that fun? I got all this stuff here. Gong. Yeah. That's I it. love the gong. Believe it or not, uh, when I was in first grade, I won my elementary school gong show, by the way. Oh, really? Good for you. <laughs> I get this sound effect, too. That's kind of cool. That's, that's the night. When people are arguing. And, and, Ideas uh, at work. I want to break in. I hit the hotel bell. If they don't listen to me, I hit the gong. Hey, here's something for you, too. I don't know if we can share. 
I guess we can share promos. Here's something I made about uh, Joe Biden. I think I played it once earlier, but this is kind of fun. Tell me what you think of this. Where is uh, – ah, here we go. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. <laughs> I love so it. Things, I love it. I have little it. things like that, too. This is why I love doing production. Um, that was actually made before the 2020 election. I'm thinking, there's no way this thing's going to be stolen. There's no way. This, 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 nah, this can't happen here. Well, apparently it did. Anyway, what else can I play for you here? Did you ever hear New Normal Church and Grocery Store? You've never heard that, have you? The what? The new normal no. church and grocery store. This, I, I made during the lockdown, last lockdown, I made a bunch of these political satire pieces. This one's my favorite. I'll play this for you, and then then I have to uh, I have to uh, end the show. Otherwise, they're going to end it for us in about fifteen minutes. Anyway, here goes. I know you're trying to get me to shut Hello. up. Hello, you're trying stop. to get yourself to stop, shut up. Stop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Sorry. I know. Okay. So hold up. Got to listen. You can laugh, but you okay. got to listen to this. All right. Okay. Hello, America. Looks like millions of you are in states where the governor dictator has said that food is essential, but God is not. Fortunately, we have a solution for you. We've combined your essential food shopping with a non-essential religious experience. Being in the same building and being completely intertwined, you can't do one without the other. Welcome to the New Normal Church and Grocery Store. Yes, the New Normal Church and Grocery Store is the first business of its kind to bring God conveniently into your food shopping aisle. Think of this as food for your body and food for your soul. No social distance or group size restrictions here. Upon entering the new normal church and grocery store, you will pick up your shopping cart. You can then choose from an optional mask with a star of David, a cross, a crescent moon, a sun for you Shintos, a statue of Buddha, and for you agnostics, a question mark. Headsets are available to place sermons throughout your shopping experience. Some of the favorites include I'm Going to Heaven and You're Not, Die, Infidel, Die, Oi, What Not to Say During the Bris, and That Butterfly May Be Your Grandfather. To orient you to the store, the Kosher Jewish Deli is by the Western Wall. A simple shalom gets you service, but be prepared to haggle. For you Muslims, out of courtesy, we put the Halal Butcher by the Eastern Wall. Sharia store policies require the wearing of both a burqa and a mask, just to be safe. Protestants will find the Wonder Bread, Hot Dogs, and Steak in the Central Isles, where all the best-dressed customers can also be found. When you notice the smell of incense, you are nearing the Buddhist section, which is all vegetarian. For Catholics, communion is available in the bakery department by the wafers near the red wine section. Agnostics should go directly to customer service because you folks have no idea what you want anyway. Be sure to offer your confessional to the checker on the way out if you so choose. Please don't forget to first pull down the blind on the plexiglass screen. And if you require ministering, you can talk to your bagger as they push your groceries to your car because all our baggers are cross-trained in theology. The new normal church and grocery store, your combination alternatives to the separation of church by the state. This is what happens when you get locked down. You get creative. 
Yeah, you can uh, have your prayer service and buy your forbidden fruit apples. <laughs> oh, I forgot forbidden fruit. That's great. Yeah, I, sh- I should have included that. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, if I ever do an upgrade, I say yes. And the forbidden fruit aisle <laughs> for all you uh, Satan worshipers. <laughs> is. That, you see, now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got more of these. I got one on Chaz. I've got one on uh, uh, the January white sale where Black uh, Lives Matter sells white people. Uh, I got all kinds of stuff. I'm really bad. Just, I don't. Oh, you want to hear that one? Let me play that one. You got a couple of minutes here. All right, so yeah, just, this will be on your podcast too, so you'll be able to get them. I actually have a YouTube channel, so they're not that hard to find. Let me see if I have Black Lives Matter. What do I got? Oh, January White Sale. Hang on, let me look under J. Here we go. This is about three minutes long. Here it is, America, the answer to riots, brutality, and all our racial problems. The return of the January White Sale. Are you a guilt-ridden white person? Are you a person of no color? Do you want to finally assuage that guilt for slavery, the Civil War, the KKK, and black people sitting at the back of the bus? Well, here is your long-awaited answer. The Black Lives Matter Department of Reparations has come up with the perfect solution. The return of the January white sale. Now, in years past, this was a big deal. After Christmas, sheets, towels, pillowcases, and other white linens were sold with their biggest discount of the year. In today's new normal world, however, things are going to be very different. Because Black Lives Matter is changing the original white sale. And now they are actually going to be auctioning off and selling white people. You, white, guilt-ridden, ashamed of your whiteness, complete cowards, bowing your heads, kneeling, raising your hands like at a revival meeting, you, you with your eyes cast down, you whimpering liberals hoping to buy your way out of a debt of guilt that can never be fully repaid because no leftist of color wants you to. You, you will have the chance to experience what no black person experiences in the United States today. Slavery. Yeah, that's right. Slavery. Isn't this great? You will be on the cutting edge of social justice and you will save the taxpayers some $14 trillion of reparations national debt. Black Lives Matter has gone to a lot of trouble to erase our history and remake society so guilty white people can finally feel free of their white supremacy. George Soros and Bill Gates have already created the venture capital fund to establish Race Bait Consulting, Incorporated, which will be handling the actual white person sale in January. So, who is available for purchase? Oh, and part of the deal is that white people can't be bought by other white people. That would defeat the whole theme of the event. Anyway, to the question. Your basic rifle on the pickup truck, racist, sexist, Islamophobe, Neanderthal, redneck male, is probably not going to sit around and be put in an auction, even if they will be well cared for by their new owners. What we will have available are liberal, surrendering, grilling man metrosexuals and emotionally distraught and disillusioned feminists, both of whom have already knelt before a designated agent of Black Lives Matter to confess their white privilege. So how do you guilt-ridden white people sign up for the January white sale? It's easy. Contact your local chapter of Black Lives Matter, show up at a rally with a flag saying, take me for the January white sale, or simply sign up at the next mass kneeling confession of white privilege coming to a neighborhood near you. The new January White Sale is made possible by a grant from Racebait Industries, Incorporated, and put on by the new normal, new improved, Black Lives Matter. Sorry, couldn't resist, had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and all of the Antifa members should be the first ones to sign up, you know. 
Hmm. Oh, I have an Antifa thing, too. Uh, you want to hear one more? If you're Antifa and you have blue hair, you should be the first one to sign up for the Oh, no, Chad. <laughs> Life Matters. I'm going to do one more for you. This is my yeah. favorite. Now, we're almost at the end of the show here. Uh, where's, where's my Chaz one? Now, Chaz, well, it, it's self-explanatory. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is what happened during the lockdown, you know, and this is, all, this is what kept me uh, amused with life. Ah, here we are. Here it is. Ah, Seattle. Time to visit again, or for the first time. No matter how many times, you'll never forget this visit to Seattle. Watching the sun set on the West Coast, the guitarists on the street corners, people walking, hanging around the many cafes and art enclaves, just taking it all in. From Pike Place Market to the first Starbucks to the whales in Puget Sound and views of Mount Rainier, there is nothing like Seattle. And now you can watch the sunsets glistening off the broken glass in the streets, various styles of bottles used for Molotov cocktails, fashion statements made with creative body armor, the use of improvised weapons, the never-ending art forms painted on every building, particularly the man parts, and the beautiful sound of voices in unison, expressing their fondest wishes and desires for your life and property. So how can you visit this enchanted never-never land of the Northwest during their summer of love? Snowflake Tours has teamed up with the Seattle Board of Economic Development, Tourism, and Riot Promotion to extend the warmest of welcomes to our latest attraction, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, affectionately known as Chaz. Soon to be called CHOP, but we like Chaz better. If you think Disneyland is a good time, it's nothing compared to Chaz. Chaz being an autonomous nation within the United States, protected by the Seattle Mayor and City Council, you can't just walk in like illegal aliens at our southern border. This is because there is a wall and guards openly carrying firearms in order to maintain the security of this new fledgling nation. So, there is a procedure to gain access. Snowflake Tours has made this an escorted tour for your safety, and so you'll be surrounded by people who look like you. White people will have an Antifa tour guide direct from their mommy's basement. But don't worry, they can protect you because they are fully indoctrinated and trained with the latest techniques of mayhem and street combat. Black people will be escorted by a member of Black Lives Matter. Fresh from riots across the country and funded by Amazon and other mega corporations, with their training and experience, you couldn't be in better hands. And of course, they speak black. Take in the wonders of Chaz while you are there. You can warm yourself by the burning book piles, feel the camaraderie as you are swept up in a march or rally, get a brief audience with our warlord, but not for too long, and be sure to make an offering. A blank check, signed, is preferred. Don't worry about the police, there aren't any, which is fine because there aren't any laws either. Businesses and attractions may not be there when you get there, depending on the needs of the people. The unique feature of this tour is that rather than enjoy the things that are already there, on this tour, it's what you bring to the table that counts. Money, supplies, there is a whole provision list of things like food, water, batteries, jewelry, and other commodities of exchange to choose from in donation to keep Chaz a people's paradise. On this vacation, you show up with full suitcases and leave with empty ones. That's what makes this tour so special. Chaz, a new nation, a new concept, coming to a liberal city near you. <laughs> and you weren't that far from it being in Portland. I love it. I love it. <sighs> Scary the things they get away with, isn't it? Yeah. Portland tried to set up something similar, but, you know, Seattle, Seattle cornered the market, literally. Is it yeah. gone or is it still there? <laughs> they, they've taken it down, right? Yeah, they took it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, oh, well. 
Eventually they funny. came to their senses and took it down. Yeah. Uh, when, okay. when, you know, people were being, you know, raped and killed and stuff, they could only handle that for so long before they had to take it down. Yeah, there was finally uh, order restored and, and a little bit of law. That's good. All right. This has been fun. A little bit of memory lane here. I got to make more of these, but uh, it was just that rare period where I was, everything was closed. I was bored. I just started making these, these political pieces, and this is what came out. Well, hey, you know, don't fret because all of that stuff is probably going to come back again. You'll have a second chance at it. More material. I'll have updates. Yeah. I'll have to do a mask one and some other stuff. 2023. Lockdown okay. 2023. Yay. 2023. We're 2024. Locked up with you and me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll think of something. <laughs> Yeah, the the worst thing you do to me is, is incarcerate me because I'm only going to get sarcastic. If I get arrested by the FBI and locked up, you know, God help them, because they're going to have to listen to me. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. Even in solitary, I'll still be talking. I'll still be that. talking. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Yeah, it was just to myself. Have you in a padded, isolated room? You'll still be talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, Greg, what do you think? Well, Greg, Greg thinks that Greg thinks that he should say this, and this is what Greg thinks. Anyway, it could be crazy. All right, we got five minutes left. They're going to cut us off. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been no, fun, honey. It's been great. It's been really we gotta do this more often, seriously. All right, here's our here's our closing. Yeah, music we album. do. And I can't be yeah. late calling in. Um well, that's you okay. know, it's an hour so and a half. Again, I apologize for being late. You've been here for half the show. You saved Actually, the best we, for last, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well you've been here for an hour and a half. We're almost uh like I said, they're gonna cut us off the air here anyway. But to listen to my closing music. And again, I'll be back 7 a.m. Central Time on Monday. Not sure what I'm going to do yet, but we'll figure it out. So everybody have a great weekend, and I'll see you all first thing as the – oh, we are live, live Labor Day. So we do our Labor Day special show. So we'll be live then. And until then, have a great weekend, and I'll see you all Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.